Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Trophy Talk. This is episode 93 of your favorite bi-weekly trophy hunting show, and I'm your host, Colin Colhoven, joined, as always, by two of my boys. First of all, we're joined by Daryl Fuimano, a.k.a. the Tall Samoan Guy, a.k.a. Leg Boy, a.k.a. Mr. Quad. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, man. Those are some good titles. Uh, I feel like you're getting pretty good at that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you approve of them. You know, that's the that's the thing. If I'm doing shitty nicknames, then ugh, do I even know my people at that point? Do I even know my boys? That's <laughs> just good, man. I, I can't wait to hear what you got in store for the next episode. But oh fuck, I, I, I pray that you continue <laughs> to build on it like a pyramid. You're just continuing to build. Kind of like the Game of Thrones, you know? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, now the precedent has been set that I have to do it, and it has to be good. So we'll see how I live up to that. I, I usually do well under pressure. I'm like a fucking diamond, okay? Bah! Pressure turns me from, what is it? What is a diamond from? Coal? From coal to a diamond. And we've already sworn twice in this show, so I'm sure, I'm sure that Ethron loves it. So anyway, moving on, we're also joined by Slugger JD, a.k.a. The Closet Boy, a.k.a. He, he records everywhere. AKA Final Fantasy's biggest fan. How are you doing, sir? Final Fantasy's biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little recency uh, bias because you, you just chirped at us that you put 55 hours in Final oh, Fantasy yeah. 16 so far. I was going to say, you got the wrong guy. That's Max. And mm. his episode was a while, a while ago. Mm, I don't know, dude. You might be taking it over. You might be coming for the mantle. I will say, I don't want to go on a Final Fantasy rant, but playing this one, I can't stop thinking about going back to like 13 or 10 or even like the 7 remake again and replaying that. I'm, I'm definitely feeling the Final Fantasy. That's awesome. Oh, and you know what sucks? I am, my system's in rest mode mid final boss fight of the game. <laughs> <laughs> right now, as we speak. I had, right now, I had to stop to come record the show. Oh, wow. Like, so I'm like, this is going to be some Yakuza shit where I beat the final boss and it's going to be like an hour and a half long cutscene. Like, I can't have them delay. So I'll, I'm going to finish it after this episode, which I'm very, very excited about. That's pretty cool, man. I, tr I was debating because I got home around five and I was debating if I should try to squeak in about 40, 45 minutes of it. But I decided against it. I'm just going to go for a bigger sesh tomorrow. Try to do like a three or four hour sesh, something like that. It's a big sesh game. Yes, yes. I the first time, first day I played it, I made sure to have a big chunk of time because I knew that was going to be the case. So the first day I played it for like three and a half or four hours, and then the next day I played it, I only got to play it for like an hour and a half, and then the third day I only got like forty five minutes. So that was kind of a bummer, but it's okay. I'll have some more time coming up. But uh, very cool, sir. Welcome to the show, both you guys. I hope you're doing well this fine evening. We are on the end or on the precipice of the end of summer. We're coming up on fall, my favorite season, coming up on Spooktober. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. Have you had any pumpkin spice lattes, Daryl, from Starbucks? <laughs> no, nah, man. I don't get into that. I, I, I'm I know you don't drink cool coffee, but. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a hot chocolate kind of guy. I'm not really into coffee. Teas, yeah, but hot chocolate's my thing. Do you uh, feel very caffeinated when you have tea then because you don't drink coffee? Ugh, not so much. I feel like I have to maybe drink like two of those to feel okay. caffeinated. But yeah, I mean, one tea is like probably good enough for me to get through whatever I'm doing. 
Ah, that's interesting. I I really respect people that can not drink coffee because it's been such a regular thing in my life since probably I was 18 or 19. So that's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool you've avoided the devil's temptation. Slugger, how many coffee cups do you drink a day? E- coffee or caffeine? Well, I would say coffee. I don't know. Okay. If, yeah, if you drink energy drinks, that's not good either, though. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it then. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. I, I used to do a coffee in the morning, and if I felt like I needed extra energy in the afternoon, I'd do an energy drink and then man i've been really bad the last like year and a half two years where i've substituted the coffee in the morning with a monster which i know is just great for me my body's probably loving it oh god i can't Um, even i feel like that almost makes me want to vomit right now i just because i don't even have soda in the mornings you know like anything sugary in the morning seems so crazy the the problem i probably could swap it for coffee but i've gotten into such a habit with them right that it's, it's hard to break Oh, totally. Because I know I can get my caffeine elsewhere, but it's just, I mean, it's like smoking or anything else that's addicting. Like, you get into the habit, and the habit itself is addicting, on top of, like, the addictive substance. So, like, wake up, get dressed, run out to the, I don't run, but go out to the garage (laughs) fridge, crack crack open a cold monster, and that's how I start my day. So, blame me in the Discord. No, that's wild. I'm not a, I mean, the cold beverage piece of it's fine. I'll have iced coffees in the summer a lot as my morning beverage of choice. But yeah, that's. If you drink coffee, it's just a lot more rare. Sure, sure. I probably have like two cups a day now. At one point, I was having like four, and then I cut back to one cup a day for a while, and I've kind of re upped to two. But you know, you got to have your things. That's fine. I, I like coffee, it's good. I don't add sugar to it, so it's not too bad for me. But you speaking of smoking, uh, smoking actually reminded me of something. I took this quiz. Daryl, you'll know what I'm talking about. Our work has this like vitality quiz slash sort of like program. You answer a bunch of questions and it like gives you points periodically throughout the year for logging workouts and being healthy and all this kind of stuff. And it was asking me sort of like how, how many cigarettes when I used to smoke did I smoke a day and for how many years did I smoke? So the answer to those is basically I smoked for probably like six years consistently and I would have like three to four cigarettes a day. And I was shocked to see how much time it took off of my lifespan because everybody knows. And to be clear here, I'm 100% not advocating that you smoke tobacco unless you want to. You're a free human. You do what you want. But of course, there are health risks doing so. So anyway, I looked at it and it was like, oh, you took two days off your lifespan. And I was like, that's fucking it, bro. (laughs) that's not so bad i was like that's really not that bad i'm sure that i probably took way more off from the food i ate during that time or many other things how much sun exposure i had during six years as opposed to the the cigarettes that i smoked so you know what if you average three to four smokes a day yeah to me that doesn't sound like a lot like no it's really not way back when i first joined the military and everyone was smoking and i saw that smoking got you out of work i'm like i want to do that and uh <laughs> it's I, it started as like getting a break from work and then i got obviously addicted to the nicotine but i very quickly became like a three quarters of a pack to a full pack a day and i did that for like two years until i, I very quickly started noticing changes with like how much stamina i had running and just getting out of breath walking upstairs and it kind of hit me like oh shit this is bad but right. i feel like a lot of people it's like half a pack to a pack and that i would now i'm just guessing but I feel like I see a lot of smokers and they smoke a lot. Like three to four doesn't sound like a lot. 
No, you're absolutely right. Because and I smoked American Spirits. So for people who have smoked cigarettes before, you might know those are like really pretty strong, like tobacco. I mean, there's different cuts of it or whatever that you can get, but like all natural, right? Right. They don't have the additives in terms of like chemical. I'm sure there's shit in there that's not just straight tobacco, but for the most part, they're they don't <laughs> they're, they're healthy cigarette choice. But they also burned for like twice as long as normal cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So I recall going out for smoke breaks with people. Uh, with Eli, actually, uh, when we were first meeting and talking, and I would have like one cigarette in the time that he would have two, so I think that was a big part of it as well. Uh, I could much more casually smoke it, so I would just have like one on my lunch break, one on the drive home from work, and then sometimes I would have another one in the evening uh, if it was a particularly stressful day or if I had been drinking or something. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. Anyway, you, I was surprised. Is that how you met Eli in the smoke pit? We shared an office. For a while okay so that's i mean i think i was introduced to him obviously before that into daryl but then at, at one built, point eli and i shared an office yeah I, I bet it built those bonds though i always felt like i had a stronger bond with the smoke pit buddies than i did the other buddies at work <laughs> oh 100 I, t- I completely agree with the social aspect being pretty important and i do miss that being able to just like go out and chat for like 10 or 15 minutes you know that was that was yeah. pretty fun but Don't not smoke not advocate yeah again not advocating for it right <laughs> it's Daryl, anything you want to add? How how surprised are you at that number? And actually, have you ever smoked tobacco at all? I, I don't know if I've asked you. I think you've had cigars, you said, at one point. Yeah, I had a couple cigars in my lifetime. Yeah. Recently, actually, um, I don't think I can ever get into it. I think the last time I smoked a cigar, I ended up going to the emergency room. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, that's the one I remember specifically, where, you had, where your wife thought you had nicotine poisoning. <laughs> Yeah, she was freaking out, dude. I was like, no, nah, I just puffed that thing way too fast. Like, so- I had finished it in like 20 minutes. That's insane. That's so, so what, fast. What happened that drove you to the emergency room? Just like the lightheaded buzz of the nicotine? Well, I had the lightheadedness and then like we were celebrating my wife's cousin's 21st birthday so we were at the cigar shop he wanted to smoke a cigar so we i was with him and my wife went to the hotel to sky roof because they had a reservation and they they were only open until like 10 o'clock and we were at the cigar shop at nine okay i was like oh man we got to get to the sky roof it's almost 10 they're gonna close so I puffed that thing so much that I was like, all right, cool. I finished mine. Let's go. And as soon as we get to like the 10th or 12th floor, dude, I felt it in my head. I felt so light. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can stand. So like, instead of like meeting up with my wife and her sisters and her cousin, uh, I like went to the side of the hotel where there was like nobody there to get some fresh air. And then just out of nowhere, I just started yakking. Oh yakking my up, God. You know? I was like, <laughs> and then my oh, wife's like, are you okay? And it was funny, too, because there's like people next to us, maybe a little bit further down. But I can tell that they were a lot closer before I started yakking. And then as soon as I started throwing up, dude, I saw them so far down on the other side of the hotel. I felt bad. I was like, oh, they probably smelled it. You know, oh, they God. Heard me throwing up. They just didn't <laughs> want to be anywhere near that monstrosity of a scene out there. So, <laughs> yeah, man. After that, I kind of rethought if that was fun to do. 
you made a good choice. <laughs> oh my lanta, dude! I don't mean that. Obviously, that sucks. I know we had talked about that before. That's awful to go through. But the only reason I'm cracking up so much because I've smoked cigars before, and they're supposed to take like hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's a like, long term. You, you like <laughs> just brained this thing in like twenty minutes, so it's yeah. I can't even imagine, dude. I would have, I would have been puking as well. That sounds <laughs> insane. So I'm, yeah, I'm also rough, impressed man. you could do it because those things are really thick to get through as well. You know, like it's hard to smoke that thing fast, even if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, you live and you learn. So I definitely learned my lesson after that night. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, this is a trophy hunting podcast, boys, but I appreciate you taking the jaunt with me there, and I'm glad that you're both doing well. Thanks again for joining me. This is episode 93 of the show. As I said at the top, I do not have a special little mini game or anything like that to get into for you guys, but I would like to shout out that we are in the last month of the race here, so continue to submit your plats and your 100%s to the Plat Shot channel in the Discord, and of course, prizes for first, second, and third place there. We don't have to go over the standings or anything like that. I'm sure the top three are still pretty pretty relatively close uh, but we're going to be doing weekly updates in the discord for that as we close out this race so you guys will continue to see those posted there and thank you to those who are participating and with that unless you guys have anything to add we can get into some plat shout outs pulled from the discord in our trophy room and our plat shot channel anything you guys want to add on the the race though before i get to those the only thing i want to plug is by the time this goes live, there will be this episode goes live. There will be a leaderboard update, so go check your standings. Uh, the last day to submit plat shots is 30 September in whatever your time zone is. As long as your stamp says the timestamp on the trophy says 30 September, I understand we're all in different time zones. It's fair. And then we're not going to uh, announce winners right away. We're going to do like a two month or not two month. I'm sorry, two week cooling off period. So that way yep. people don't slide in the last week and I don't know, do a brand new game that has 0.05% because they snuck it in on launch day or something. So there'll be a cooling off period. So expect a little bit of a delay until we announce the winners and uh, good luck. Exactly. Thank you for calling out the reason as to why we're doing that two week delay. As you said, it is basically to allow games to normalize somewhat in their rarity if you're playing something that released in September or late September in particular. So hopefully that makes sense to you guys. That was actually suggested by, I believe, Pat the Trophy Hunter. I could be wrong on that, but by some Discord members and people seem to like the idea. So we went, yeah, let's do it. So we will have a slight delay there on the winners. But let's get into some plat shout outs. The first one here comes to us from EDJ3DG with Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which sits at a 3.93% on the PSN Oh, on PSN profiles, excuse me, for the PS4. Next up, we have Thrawn coming at us with Marvel's Avengers, which sits at 6.31% on PSN profiles for the PS4. Next up, we have Pat the Trophy Hunter with AC3 Liberation, which sits at a 7.80% on PSN profiles for the PlayStation Vita. And then we've got Emerson with Just Cause 3, which is at a 1.00% for the full 100%, including DLCs, on PSN profiles for the PS4. And last but not least, Maximum Carnage with Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, which sits at a 4.5% on PSN profiles for the PS5. There is no platinum in that game, so that's for the 100%. And yeah, lots of really cool games, I think, posted by people in this last few week period. 
just looking at these fives, you kind of run the gambit here. You've got a Call of Duty first-person shooter. You've got a games-as-service third-person action game. You've got sort of a smaller, almost DLC title for the Vita, a massive single-player open-world game in Just Cause, and then a PvP card dueling game. So the Discord's getting after it. Daryl, do you have anything you want to kind of shout out or anything you want to focus on here for these five Platinums? I will mention what's not on there description oh <laughs> we've been seeing that game for a while you're right it finally dropped off see, yeah good to see some variety but the advanced warfare such a random game i mean we've had random games but i think i we don't really see too much call of duty plats no we don't um make the list so and uh, i just hate the naming conventions on those games advanced warfare always i always confuse this game with infinite warfare cuz those two are kind of set in the same uh setting but I, I just had to refresh my memory on which game this is and this is I the one that this we one played a good game. yeah we played this together right with eli i could have swore we did yeah we did this game together yep this was the one that had like the exo suits and it had kevin spacey as the villain <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, because Infinite <laughs> Warfare had Jon Snow as the villain. This was in the period when they were having, they thought it was cool to have like a really famous, like person as like the main villain in the game, which they've abandoned since, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, but great game. Uh, that's one game I need to go back to and finish. But yeah, it's a good mix of games to see on the list. Yeah, entire yeah, definitely. And I'm glad we're having some Vita representation. We've been seeing more PS3, not this particular episode, but I think the last two there were plat shoutouts that were for PS3 games in both of those. So the Discord's getting after it. It's cool to see an eclectic mix of stuff, as you said, because it can sometimes inspire you to try something different or look at something that maybe you've forgotten about for a while. So yeah, Slugger, any games you want to call out or discuss further? Um <clears throat> Yeah, good call out on EDJ, 3DG's Advanced Warfare. When, more so him himself as a player. I like seeing his variety of games, just kind of like skimming through his recent stuff. He's playing on every system. He's got PS3 games, PS4 games, uh, PS5 games. But like you were saying with the PS3, uh, I guess people who are still gaming on that system, he's definitely one of them. A large majority of his last like 15 to 20 games are PS3 games and He's diving into those those deep back catalogs. Like he's got Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Blur, oh my god. Does he really domain? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Not the platinum, but okay, okay. He started it. Oh. You Castlevania poor bastard. Lords of Shadow. Just lots of cool, like old school shit. And yeah. I would say Advanced Warfare is kind of old school at this point. That was like a I think a launch PS4 game. Or no, Ghost was the launch PS4 game. But still I, yeah. one of the older ones. Um I remember playing then, this game when it came out, Advanced Warfare, and my roommate at the time was like five years older and used to play the old CODs. So I got it, and he was like, oh, cool, Like I'm going to come home from, from class or whatever, we'll play it. He played like five minutes of it, and he's like, what the fuck is this? Because that was the one you yeah. could like boost in every direction with the left yeah. stick. It was very much a Twitch reflex kind of game. Uh, it came out in 2014, by the way. So we're... Okay. Yep. Shit, almost 10 years old. Wow. Yeah, it's almost eligible for knockback. knockback call of duty advanced warfare Uh, i almost have the platinum in that game all i have to do there was that bonus mode i forget what it was called it it was it took the place of like the zombies 
where you just had to survive the waves and there's trophies for flipping the map once which i think is surviving 25 waves and then flipping the map twice which is surviving 50 waves exo and or exo survival i think it's called yeah i don't know but those are my last two trophies in that game i need someone with a copy of that to help me through that uh because i tried solo it's really hard let's see the other game i wanted to shout out was just cause three because i know that game is such a freaking grind like the actual like guide isn't too long um but you finish oh maybe it is long 90 hours for the base <laughs> game it's good yeah i'd say that's long but i would say like 30 hours of that is actually doing like the story content and the side missions and the things that matter and the other like 70 hours of just doing like these gear challenges which are kind of like combat trials and then uh just blowing shit up you're just going around this way too massive open world blowing shit up and it or blowing stuff up and it gets very very monotonous and very very boring uh so shout out to you who got the just cause three that was Emer- that was emerson actually which emerson, i yeah. think is surprising so, because they you know emerson plays a lot of pac-man obviously as we know that's like what i consider his main franchise or whatever so yeah just cause three was a cool choice to see him playing yeah and it's rare it is like it's surprisingly easy but the platinum itself is 3.03 percent i think the rarity comes from it being a playstation plus game and the length of time it takes platinum yeah it's really not that hard for a three percent rarity that's a really good call out on the playstation like or on the like being on ps plus and what that does to a rarity because that's really important to consider i can't recall if advanced warfare was ever free on ps plus but it is also an ultra rare so that's pretty cool. And Daryl, do you have the gold edition for that where you have like all the DLCs or whatever? I don't. Oh fuck, okay. I do. So I need someone to do those exo maps with at some point. Shoot. I mean, we'll keep an eye out. Slugger, do you have the which version do you have? I would buy the DLC if you could help me get the platinum. And yeah, then we I'll can help you get the, the platinum. DLC stuff together. Yeah, I'll help you get the platinum. I actually really liked Advanced Warfare. I thought it was good for as much as I made fun of Kevin Spacey being the main villain. I actually thought the game was pretty decent. So yeah, I'll certainly help you out with that. But uh, good stuff. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. And also, I wanted to call out Thrawn's Marvel's Avengers. That's a seems like a grindy big game. I haven't actually looked at the trophy guide for it, but it's also important because he had been playing every single uh, Assassin's Creed game, basically, in chronological order. And this is the first sort of break that I've seen him take on that run. And also, Pat, with AC Liberation, he's starting his like slew of AC games. So... Something tells me with Assassin's Creed Mirage coming out in less than a month, we're going to see a, a lot of Assassin's Creed talk in the Discord in the coming month and a half or so. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys. Congratulations to all you guys for your 100% and for your Platinum's earns. And, and to the folks that we didn't mention, too. There's a lot of good stuff posted, so congratulations on that. And next, I wanted to give a special Patreon shout-out. This is a special shout-out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash trophytalkpodcast, where if you like the show and you like what we do and you want to throw us a couple bucks to support us, it really does mean a lot. We've got tiers ranging all the way from bronze up to platinum tier. So thank you all so, so much for your support of the show. That's a big shout-out, and thank you to Maximum Carnage, The Slide G. Cooper, Pat the Trophy Hunter, King K6969, B. Down, Diego Juan, the Portland Kevin, Zachary, First Mage, Buff Cupcake, and Against Me 75. So thank you all so much, really, for the support of the show. It is great to see and does mean a lot. Thank you. 
Okay, we got some questions also coming to us from Patreon. The first one comes to us from the Portland Kevin, and he wants to say slash no. Now that there are a few game franchises with good or great movie or TV series adaptations, which game series would you want to see adapted to a movie or series, and who would you want to make it? Also cast it if you have ideas. I'd want to see Mass Effect series made by Netflix, HBO, or Hulu. Stara, uh, Stara, starring Sarah Rafferty, Donna from Suits, as Commander Shepard, and many of the main cast from the game coming in as their same characters. Keith David as Captain Anderson, Seth Green as Joker, etc. Ideally, it would have as much budget and quality standard as something like Star Trek Discovery or Strange New Worlds, and span three seasons to keep the same pace that the games had, because each game felt like a season of TV. I think that's a good call-out, something I did not answer is sort of the length of whatever project it is that i'm going to talk about so that's a cool shout out there and star trek discovery a little bit underrated as far as star trek goes i think like not enough people talk about it but there's lots of good new star trek i know that doesn't really interest you guys that much but shout out if you watch it out there so slugger let's go to you first for what series you would have made give us some details on it and uh, why you picked it oh yeah you guys will hear me talk about this series quite a bit today because it flows into our main topic and our a few of the questions. Uh, so what I'm thinking is the Yakuza series adapted into either like an anime or like a really stylized like anime series. Ooh. And I don't think a movie would fit. I think it'd be cool to see it as, I don't know, maybe an eight to ten episode series where the length of each episode you know is about 30 minutes i think the combat in that game is like it's it's very cool but it's also kind of wacky at the same time and i feel like you could do a lot of fun things with this all the crazy different styles of combat and stances and how people fight in that game yeah uh adapting that into like an animated series and then that also goes into like the story itself you could have kind of like the main beats story beats of the series you know be these very serious moments similar to the game but if you go the animated route you could also kind of have those goofy side characters and side quests maybe they i don't know take up a chunk of the episode or have one-off episode where kiryu i don't know gets into some wacky thing because this guy takes you bowling and there's a freaking chicken there running the bowling alley which happens in the game oh no you win a chicken you win a chicken at the bowling alley in one of the games <laughs> so <laughs> i did, i feel like it would be a nice combo of like oh this is serious this is emotional this combat's really cool but on the flip side like oh these characters are fun they're likable there's wacky moments and the combat can get silly at times. And I think it could be like a great, similar to the games, just a great mishmash of enjoyment and entertainment. That's great. Have you have you guys seen, Daryl, you've seen um, Kill Bill, right? Both of you guys? So, Slugger, have you seen it? Yeah, not all three. I've seen the first one a okay. few times, though. So, yeah, so you know how like Lucy Liu's character, when they're talking about like her origin as one of the assassins, it's like live action, but they cut to like an animated really like bloody scene for like two minutes or whatever. Uh, I think that could be really cool with something like Yakuza as well. Like to your point, you know, I think the animated series idea is awesome, but also I think it could work if they did like live action, but just went to anime bits when it was like really, Mm -hmm. really intense fighting or something like that. And I don't really see a lot of shows like experimenting with that, like dual 
approach. So yeah, I think yeah. that I think that could be cool. Uh, did you have a particular game you were thinking of for the story? Would it be the first game? I'm assuming. Oh, so I was kind of thinking of the series as a whole because I guess the way I was viewing it was if you turned if if they use the story from the actual games, each game could be like its own series. So like, uh, seri- or like season one is good. Not its own series, its own season. Season one would be like Yakuza Zero, and two would be um, Ku- Kiwami or right. Yakuza One, and just kind of you know follow that flow. Oh yeah, and that then makes you sense. Could have the spin-off seasons of Judgment if it was successful enough, but they could easily just go their own route with it too. There's so many great memorable characters in those games where they could spin off and do their own unique thing based around like a side character or one of the characters that doesn't get as much love in the game. Mm. Yeah, totally. And man, you got a good year for Yakuza coming up. We're going to talk about it later, as you said, but also you've got the man who erased his name in November, I think, or maybe it's December. And then next year, early on Yakuza eight, you're going to be, you're going to be swimming in it. I'm excited. Hell yeah. Daryl, what do you think about a animated Yakuza series? And also what did you have as your choice for the Portland Kevin's question? I think Yakuza in an animated style would be pretty cool. It's always hard to tell how, you know, a video game or any sort of form of entertainment would be visualized like live action or animated. I feel like that's always difficult to Mm -hmm. determine. But I feel like with Yakuza, I feel like it can get away with the animation just because... I feel like it would make more sense in that style. Like, there's, like, from what I can see from the game, there's a lot of moments where the game has, like, that goofy side to it. I feel like that would just make more sense in the traditional anime setting. Because I love it where, like, the game gets, or, like, the animes I watch get, like, very serious. And then just out of nowhere, like, the characters just break character for, like, no reason. Like, something will happen. And, like, as Slugger was talking about it, it just reminded me of, like, the Naruto episode, the filler episode, where his team was trying to figure out what he looked like under his mask. Okay. And it was just a, a, a random episode where they were just trying to figure out what he looked like because they've been with him for so long that they don't <laughs> know what he looks like under his mask. So, like, they just had, like, these weird, you know, imaginings of what he looked like. It just was weird. I just feel like Yakuza kind of will follow. It would make more sense for it to be animated, just because of like the goofiness of it at, at certain points in the game. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> the chicken in the bowling alley moments. Yep. Yeah, right on. Well, very uh, cool. I agree. So, so what did you have then? What did you want to do for your series idea? Something animated, live action. I I think I would go more live action. I I, I do think it could maybe be successful as an animated series but i think as a live action um i think it would thrive more and what i'm talking about is uh resident evil oh you oh, fucker yeah. dude i almost did it too <laughs> i almost I, I like legit had like a paragraph typed up and i was like eh, i'm gonna do something else <laughs> yeah, I, that... I had a feeling it would come up either you or i would mention it but i just could not figure out another game to to bring as a as a TV series. Yeah, man. It's like you're gonna say something. Sorry. Does it count since there's already a series like series and movies and? Well, there is one series for it. So there's a mo- there's a couple mangas, but there's one series called Infinite Darkness on Netflix. I guess there's two. You're right. There's the Netflix original. Fuck. 
But the Infinite I, Darkness doesn't really count because it was basically like a movie they broke into four episodes. Yeah, I'll let Daryl explain his yep. reasoning. I do think series would be great for this because my problem with all the movie adaptations is they always feel very rushed. And it's like, man, if they had more time, they could like really dive into this. But sorry, Daryl. I was just. Oh, no. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. No, you're right. good. You're good. So I want Resident Evil just because what really got me into Resident Evil was the very first game at the mansion that's always a memorable uh, time for me for that series because that's what really got me into it mm. so like over the years all the paul anderson movies that came out all the uh animated movies that came out you know there wasn't really a faithful reimagining of the Resident evil game at the mansion so i mean the closest thing we got to was the the welcome to raccoon city which yeah. I actually enjoyed. Me too. It I've watched it like three good. times. It's good. It's not terrible, but it holds the pretty much what the game, you know, was all about. So I really enjoyed that. It was kind of a mix of Resident Evil One and, and RE Two. Mm-hmm. But that's like the closest thing to what I got out of like wanting a true Resident Evil mm-hmm. One adaptation for a movie or a TV series, but. I just want like one, like a TV show just based on Resident Evil series, but mostly on part one for sure. Because I think that alone would be good for like an eight to 10 episode. The game's not really long, so I don't really see it being like 20 episodes for a season. You know, the game's short enough, so I, I wouldn't imagine the seasons being that long. Yeah, but I would love for it to be like a true adaptation of RE1 and even the other games as well, because I I just love RE1 so much. It's weird to say that, too, because I haven't really played it, but just maybe like 20 minutes I played when I was young is what really got me into Resident Evil. Yeah, we got to get you after that remake, bro. You haven't platinum that, right? I can't believe that shit. Oh my god, you're gonna lose your mind playing that game. That game is gonna be so great for you. If you feel this way already about the original on PS1, you're gonna fucking lose it when when you get into that game. Yeah, I I really do need to go back to it. It's kind of embarrassing to say that I love that game so much and I haven't even finished it or platinum it. <laughs> but I I would like there to be a game on that. Like honestly, I feel like it would be a great kind of concept for a TV show and. You know, I'm already picturing in my head, like, I'm already thinking, like, the first episode, you're introducing your main characters. You're just kind of, like, seeing the interaction between the teams. You, you have, uh, you, you're well, you're introduced to, like, Alpha Team, Bravo Team, mm. and then kind of just the build-up from there is, like, when they actually get to the mansion, you know, from there. And then, you know, just everything else will pick up. But that's kind of, like, my first episode, kind of just setting the scene you know the feel for the this for the show yeah maybe get to know the and, team they're out on another mission or something you just hear them talking you know they're back at the star's office at the rpd yeah 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 i'm feeling yeah. it yeah that that's what i really liked about welcome to raccoon city is that you kind of get that banter between the team members uh in alpha team before they're actually heading out to the mansion which i really like you kind of get a an idea of like the characters it's really cool to see them on screen so i want something like that mm-hmm. so just like going straight to the mansion and all hell breaks loose right you know but 
yeah, I, I would love to see that. I kind of have an idea of like characters who can play the uh, classic RE characters. So like for classic characters, we got Chris, Jill, Barry, and Albert. Those are like the main four that I kind of looked and see who can actually play these characters. And I went more based off like the looks. I think they can play them. Like I, I feel like they can like really match the personality of the characters as well. So like for Chris Redfield, know fans of supernatural i really thought of like jensen ackles i think he can be pretty good at that role mm, okay uh, jill valentine lauren cohen from the walking dead who played maggie green dude such a good was shout also in supernatural oh what i didn't even get that far oh dude that's such a good shout to you because i'm i'm realizing now when she has short hair she totally looks like jill yeah. like what the fuck? yeah uh okay. barry burton David Harbour from uh, Stranger Things. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Albert Wesker, Michael Fossbender. Yeah. That's it. Oof. Dude, what's that even... What's cool. that Skarsgård guy that's, like, really... There's a bunch of Skarsgårds, but there's, like, a younger one who is, like, in True Blood and shit. I could also see him being Wesker. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But, dude, yeah, those are could, good. He could be a good one, too. He, you know, actually, I'm now that I'm thinking about it, he would probably be even better because he's kind of evil. You know, he always is kind of like you don't trust him, right? Yeah, Alexander Skarsgard. That's the guy. Yeah, he also was in like the guy who plays Eric. Yes, yes, Eric Northman. Yeah, that would be like my go-to. Like, if I wanted to make a a great TV series, Resident Evil for sure. Dude, it's so it's so sad too because. The one that we got, well, I enjoyed the Netflix Resident Evil series, but it's not really, like, it's so different from the games, you know? And that's part of what I liked about it, but it's also part of what I didn't like, so it's kind of complicated. But you'd be sad to know this, Daryl. There was at one time apparently a show in development, live action, that was about the events of the first game, but kind of, like, the weeks leading up to it. So if you remember, the game starts with, and Slugger, you've played it, so you might know too, like, they're talking about there's been a series of bizarre murders in Raccoon City where people, like, victims have been, like, eaten, you know? And what the premise of the show supposedly was, was not a member of Stars as the main character, but just, like, a detective in the Raccoon City Police Department. And they're investigating these murders initially, right? So it's, like, the weeks leading up to the mansion incident. Maybe you see the Stars officers, like, in the background or, like, in some of the scenes and meeting briefings or something, but, like... They're not the main focus, and it all kind of culminates with, like, the start of the game when Bravo Team's helicopter crashes. It goes it goes missing and all that kind of shit. I, I always thought that was fucking cool, and it's sad because they almost made it. You know, like, apparently it was, like, written, storyboarded, like, in development, and it just kind of, like, never never got anywhere. And I'm like, god damn it, dude. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> way better than some of the stuff we've gotten. That, that does sound like a cool concept. I... I... I'm actually kind of disappointed that never really took off, but yeah, man, maybe, yeah. maybe in the future it, it, it might come out. And, you know, the other part of Portland Kevin's question, like who would I want it made by? So I feel like we got a really great, a great video game adaptation, The Last of Us out of HBO. So I feel like HBO will probably be like a contender for like producing something like Resident Evil. I don't know about Netflix. Netflix had their chance. They totally botched it, like yeah. you said, Colin. And I feel like Amazon Prime, you know, they're also another one who can make TV shows. I just feel like they handle Lord of the Rings so bad. 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't, don't trust them with that, which is weird because I miss. right. I really liked the Expanse from them. Like the last couple of seasons of the Expanse were awesome, awesome TV. As someone who read all the books, but I've heard Lord of the Rings was bad. I actually never watched it myself, to be honest. Yeah, I only seen just a few videos where they were talking about why it was so bad, and I'm just thinking, God. Why did they do it? To, why did they do this <laughs> to that show, to that series? It's too important you know? to fuck around with. Yeah, I would definitely say HBO would probably be like my my first choice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I think Resident Evil is a great choice. Slugger, anything you want to add before I kind of get into mine? No, I like it. Um, that show that you said was rumored to be coming out where it followed the detective it it reminds me of like the concept they took with the gotham series mm. where it was like pre-batman and you're following like detective gordon in his early days and yeah. him like like still tied into the main like universe but it was kind of its own separate thing so you know there's still a lot of like fun fan service there and easter eggs that they could have easily gotten away with doing that series if they had like went through with it yeah and gotham's good as well i've watched i haven't watched all of it but i've watched a few seasons and it's pretty good so and uh i will stand down because i I was gonna say that's not a good answer because there's already movies and series but i'm down with the idea of them actually following the games i think my biggest gripe with any and all like resident evil series is they always take like the concept like oh there's stars and there's Umbrella, and there's zombies, and some of the characters are the same, but then they just go and, like, make their own story. I don't need, like, a perfect reimagining of the game, like The Last of Us was, but it always bugs me, like, how different and drastic they make some of these stories. Yeah. then I'm confused as a casual Resident Evil fan of, like, what the fuck is canon? I don't know. 100%. I don't know what ties in the main universe. I don't know what doesn't. Are these just, like, alternate universes? I don't know what to believe. You guys would probably know, as or you, Colin, as a more serious fan, what is canon and what's not. So I'm totally down with Daryl's idea of like, hey, let's keep it simple and, you know, start this off with game number one, going mm-hmm. to the mansion. Yeah, the mansion's 100% going to be the best bet, I think. And and I will agree with what Daryl said. You know, Welcome to Raccoon City is pretty decent if you haven't watched it. You know, give it a look if you're an RE fan. I bought it and I've watched it probably three times. So I definitely enjoyed like enjoy the movie. I think it's I think it's fun. And uh, just real quick on your canon question, if it's an, if it's animated or like CGI film, it's canon. The okay. live action stuff is not like affiliated really with Capcom in the same way. I mean, it is obviously because it's the property, but Capcom is more hands on with the animated films. So okay. those are canon, but they're pretty much I would argue like non necessary viewing like nothing ever substantial happens in them as opposed to the games there's really nothing like again it's just really small easter eggs or you know little things like that i think one of the animated movies i believe it was damnation references resident evil revelations 2 and a little bit of the new one resident evil death island there's like a line that talks about resident evil 6 and resident evil 5 but it's so in passing <laughs> like it's, it's like kind of laughable yeah anyway check them out animated ones are good so for my answer here i also went with hbo as the maker because i i agree with you guys last of us is like exceptional in terms of its quality and adaptation 
of an of a uh, a video game property. I do want to shout out Arcane on Netflix though because that show is incredible. And same thing with Castlevania. So if you're gonna go animated, I feel like Netflix is actually maybe the safer choice. If you're gonna go live action, I would probably go with HBO. And for mine, I did choose to go live action, and it is in a horror vein as well, kind of. So what I wanted to do is make an HBO series that was one season, so a limited series, about Bloodborne. And it would be about the old Yarnum section of Yarnum. So if you've played the game, you know, like, there's there's an area of the map in, in the spoilers for a 2014 game or whatever, right? There's an area of the map called Old Yarnum. It's pretty early on in the game. And when you get there, it's kind of sealed off because it's gone through this, like, disease-ridden period of being of a sickly area, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And what you find out happened there is, like, these people in the church, in the blood ministration church, went underground. They sent people from their church and also from the the campus and the university nearby underground to search for stuff great ones and or basically looking for like cures and medicine and things like that and they found the old blood and basically the old blood when administered would give you these like healing effects and longer life and all things like that but the more and more you used it and abused it you turned into beasts and werewolves whatever right so i would want to make a live action series that focuses on the initial founding of like the the healing church and of like the university and all these administrative sections that we come to experience in Bloodborne after they're established and after they're part of like the common day-to-day activities. I'd want to do something about the founding of that. So it's basically in my mind, it was either Anthony Hopkins or Russell Crowe would play Martyr Logarius, who is like one of the first church founders who abused too much of the blood administration and becomes this massive beast that you fight in the game. Vicar Amelia is another one. The Cleric Beast is another one from the church that turns into a crazy monster because of that. So, yeah, something like that. And it would follow the people going underneath the city into the Chalice Dungeons and what they find there and sort of kind of feature the town slowly going crazy and having these hunts and the births of, like, the hunters and these people who are tasked with, like, you know, killing those beasts and whatever, whatever. So it gives you some background on Yarnum. You could probably even just call it Yarnum or something like that. Or, like, Yarnum, a Bloodborne story, whatever, right? Uh, yeah, and do it through HBO. I don't really have much more than that because my initial thought was for something with Resident Evil as well, so I spent some time on that. But And I apologize, guys, if I'm getting some of the lore wrong. I'm sure people have played Bloodborne more recently than me, but I know the, I know the main points. I can't remember if I'm pronouncing those names correctly or whatever, so apologies on that. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think of a Bloodborne HBO live-action series? If you got the lore wrong, it's way over my head because I don't read... <laughs> the item description so i missed about 75 percent of the story oh fuck man that's so disappointing <laughs> it's so good it's so good and what you describe sounds really cool i guess i didn't realize what had actually happened i feel like a bad bloodboard bloodborne platinum owner now because <laughs> i'm like oh i'm just going through this crazy world and killing stuff and that was all i cared about right um i need to read more yeah, you gotta, but. you gotta, you gotta read more in the games, dude. I'm not saying you have to be like control and read 200 fucking documents, but the problem is you need like a PhD to decipher some of these texts and what the hell is going on. Sure, or like a, I don't know, a corkboard on the wall with pictures and string linking everything together to understand it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it can be complex. I'd be lying if I told you I didn't also watch Vadi Vidya's videos, you know, as well. Yeah. So, like, it's a combo of, like, I'm playing it, I am reading, and I'm trying to piece it together. And then when I watch stuff, usually at the end, I'm always like, oh, okay, that makes more sense than what I thought it was or whatever. And, uh, but yeah. Because I'm saying that, I love the idea. Because I would love a series that spells out that lore in a much simpler, consumable way outside of going and watching like YouTube theory or yeah, YouTube videos of theories and deciphers. And so I would love a limited series kind of giving me the background of the world or what the hell happened. I almost think you could go multiple seasons mm-hmm. into the whole story or, you know, each season covers a different area of that, like that area at the game world. So, well, cause there's like castle Kanehurst as well, which is like the pale bloods and like the whole vampire yeah. sect that goes on. And then you've got, you know, Mensis and the Nightmare Realm and that whole thing. So, yeah, you could do a lot. I, I would want the show, honestly, to not have, like, a crazy, crazy amount of combat, though. I'm thinking more of, like, a horror kind of vibe, like a drama and horror. There'd be some action once the hunters, like, get involved, but I don't want it to be, like, an action-first show like the like the game is, necessarily. But, uh, yeah, Daryl, what do you think? I mean, you've got experience with Bloodborne. How do you feel about this? Not not as much as you guys. I've only put maybe an hour into. Bloodborne. Oh, I thought you got like ten in. I'm, my bad. Yeah, you only played a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I only got to the cleric beast. That's it. Okay. But your idea of a bloodborne um show, dude, that sounds dope as fuck. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it sounds nice. really cool. Um, like I said, I didn't really play much. So when you were describing. You know the the concept of the show. It, it sounds really cool. I feel like that can actually happen. You know, if someone was really passionate about Bloodborne and wanted to do something, I feel like you know that would be like something great for somebody to uh, to make a real thing. But I, I feel like it's just more appealing to fans of the series. You know, not maybe not Bloodborne itself, but like of all the Souls games that the games themselves are just. You're kind of just making the story up as you go. And, you know, like, first time around, you're not really knowing what's going on because maybe you're like Slugger, you're just slashing everything and just trying to get through the story. But, you know, there's a story there that if you take the time, you can actually know what's going on. I feel like a majority of people who play those games just don't know what's going on. So I feel like (laughs) a show like that would just be perfect for those people to kind of fill in the gaps and holes and be like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. Yeah, you're, I think you're very right, both you guys, in saying I don't know if a lot of people necessarily will read all the item descriptions or whatever. Because it's so weird, too. The game doesn't even really prompt you to do it. You know, it's like you got to go into your inventory, hit square over this thing multiple times or whatever, go to like a sub menu, then hit square, and then it'll give you like a paragraph. And they're, the items, are they're not like they're giving you items in a sequence of the story. Like you'll find stuff that's like part of this story, but that story might be chronologically at the beginning or at the end of the overall arc and or story. So it's like very, uh, you got to piece it together. So yeah, it's fucking, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, but yeah, some, some good stuff there. They just don't want to do anything with Bloodborne, I feel like. Like the game is owned by Sony. So Sony could make a sequel. Right, they could have remastered it. They could have PS5 ported it, and there's just been nothing. I know there's been rumors about it, and then LSM has talked about it, and other places have talked about like Bloodborne sequel rumors, but it's still not here. I just can't believe it because that game is like so well regarded, and it's almost ten years old at this point. I thought Wonder. for sure. Go ahead, Daryl. Um, uh, real quick. Um, I, I just wonder if they re- 
if they were kind of gauging to see how The Last of Us would do, I feel like with so much attention and like good attention that the that the show is getting, I feel like that just opens up the world to them. Like they can they could probably do a Bloodborne show if they want to. Yeah, because you know The Last of Us did so well. Mm, yeah, that's true. True. What were you gonna say, yeah. Slugger? I was gonna say I has Blue Point announced what they're working on? Like they did Demon Souls. It just feels like a no brainer to like after the success of the Demon Souls PS5, uh, like remaster, re- I guess not really a remake, but remaster. I mean, it's just money bags to go like shift them right to Bloodborne. Like, hey, do whatever you did with Demon Souls, do it with Bloodborne, and give us like 4K, 60 frames, up to 120 frames per second, like beautiful looking Bloodborne. Like, yeah. I don't know how that's not a thing yet. Yep. And maybe Attic- it is a thing. Maybe that's what they're doing, but. No, I mean, it's fair. We haven't heard about that studio since Demon's Souls came out, obviously. Like, we haven't heard what they're working on since 2020. And we're almost in 2024. So it's time for them to talk soon, I would imagine, right? We say games are like five to six-year dev cycle for a new game, and they predominantly have worked in remasters and or, you know, uprisings. So they did, like, the Uncharted collection. They did Shadow of the Colossus, Bloodborne, or uh, Demon's Souls. So... Yeah, I would assume we're going to hear from them next year at the at the latest. Like, me, if there's another state of play this year, like, I, you might even see them there. You know, pretty I guess interesting. The latest, as of I had to Google it, as of September 30th, 2021, Bloodborne or Bloodborne, Bluepoint Games is working on two new projects: uh, an original game that is similar to Insomniac's Spider-Man Miles Morales, and the second is a remake of a beloved game. Okay. Um, so one new IP, and then one a remake. So maybe that's the Bloodborne we're looking for. Yeah, maybe. And the original Miles Morales. I wonder if they just mean in terms of length, like it's eight to ten hours, maybe. Watch it just be a Bloodborne and Bloodborne two. Okay, <laughs> yeah, a ten hour Bloodborne two. Oh my gosh, that would be like the biggest. I don't know how people would react. People would be ecstatic for a new Bloodborne if they were like, "Hey, it's ten hour linear." Action game, they'd be like, "You motherfuckers!" Oh <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. thinking about the size of Miles Morales. That would fuck everything up. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. And thank you, Portland Kevin, for the question, sir. Much appreciated. Some good discussion there, guys. Next up, our next Patreon submitted question comes to us from Zachary, and he says, "Hey guys, keep up the good work. Thank you. If you had to take an ex- existing franchise and make a game from it that's completely or that's a completely different genre, what would you choose? Examples are like making a CRPG out of control or a 2D fighting game from Crash Bandicoot inspired by the crazy variety coming out of Riot, something like that. So, yeah, pretty sweet question here. I love this mixing existing genre slash IP combos with like what you would want it to be if the series could expand is a cool thought exercise. So yeah, Slugger, let's go to you first for this one. What did you have? Okay, so I'm stealing this idea from a rumor that was happening way back when the Vita first launched, and it was that a creator. Actually, I don't even think it was a rumor. It was confirmed by the Kevin Ken Levine, uh, the Bioshock creator, that they were working on a tactical RPG similar to Final Fantasy Tactics or XCOM in the vein of like Bioshock. So it's going to be a Bioshock tactical RPG turn-based game. And it was going to be a Vita exclusive. And it was the game was to be set in 
like before the fall of Rapture. And I just, I remember hearing about this rumor that it was being worked on and then nothing really came of it. And then it was like rumored to be canceled and we never heard anything of it. And then in later on interviews, they're like, yeah, we were working that, but it was scrapped. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, even though it never happened, I'm like nostalgic for the idea of that. I think Bioshock is such a cool universe where you could get really creative with some type of turn-based like tactical RPG. Cause in my head, I'm thinking of like XCOM. So it's like, maybe you have a squad of like three or four guys. I don't know if they're good guys, bad guys, whatever, but you have the characters you're controlling. But obviously in this universe, you have your normal weapons. You got melee weapons and guns, but then you also have the plasmids. And I feel like, the plasmids themselves is what could make this uh, really unique in a way. I guess it'd be similar to like using magic in a game like Final Fantasy Tactics or something. But I'm picturing maybe you have a character that has like a lightning type of plasmid. And then you have a character that has like a water-based type of plasmid. And maybe the water-based plasmid user can like throw down a puddle in an area on, you know, in the combat arena. And then the lightning magic can, or lightning plasmid user can, you know, hit that water, which causes AOE damage and like does critical damage because, you know, you combine the lightning with the water. And I could totally see them doing like different classes. Um, if you've played Bioshock, you know, there's like all the security systems in the city. So there's turrets and cameras and traps and all sorts of things. And I could see, easily see that coming into play. Uh, where you maybe have like an engineer class or a hacking class for one of your characters that you're controlling and they could, you know, hack into Rapture's security system and call in like those little security robots that uh. now act as like a pet or, you know, an extra, an additional weaker controllable character on your squad for the fight or maybe setting a trap uh, or a turret or something. I don't know. I think. I think the idea is really cool. You could get really creative with the story, especially if you're doing pre-fall ra- or before the fall of Rapture. We don't have, we don't know much of what happened there outside of like the lore that's in the game. So it'd be cool to actually like explore that city. Yes. Uh, through actual gameplay and not just like stories and lore that you're hearing as you play through Bioshock One and Two. So uh, that's my guess. Kind of stealing it because they were doing it. And it was a thing that existed at one point, but it never came to fruition. So I would like to see that game come to fruition. Dude, yeah, that's very cool. I think the Bioshock universe would be great for that, especially with the whole plasmid stuff. I think I like your setting choice, but there's a lot of cool plasma elements in, um, or what I don't know if they call them something different, actually, in Bioshock Infinite, right? There's like the whole like Beast of Crows kind of stuff that you can do and like Donkey Kick and like all this Skyhook shit and whatever. Like, I think you could make some pretty cool combos there if you just if you allowed in some other stuff from maybe infinite even into like the spell book or whatever yeah that's that's pretty cool in my mind how i pictured this working was there'd be plasmids in like the tactical rpg that maybe didn't make their appearance in bioshock one and two i don't know i feel like you could easily explain away like hey there used to be like 30 or 40 different plasmid types and then after the fall of rapture like it was only these five to ten that were left I feel like there's a way you could get around it to where you could add more and still not like break the world of mm-hmm. its story building. Yep. I agree. Very cool. Daryl, what do you think about that? About a Bioshock tactical RPG? 
It sounds interesting. So I'm trying to imagine XCOM because I've never really played it. So it's kind of hard for me to really give an opinion on it. But I, I like the idea of it, uh, you know, just having like a squad with different skill sets, weapons, abilities, things like that. That sounds pretty unique. Uh, I would definitely, you know, be the engineer because I, I love hacking stuff. That was probably like my most favorite thing to do in that game was just hacking things and having yeah. like a robot buddy to help you out in uh, sticky situations. So sounds cool. I like the idea of it. Yeah, I think it's a very cool idea as well. And also, XCOM for you, Daryl, is right up your alley because it's hard as nails. So <laughs> you might enjoy it. And I, I don't yeah, know. I think it. at some point, XCOM 2 is free on PS Plus because that's how I got it. So maybe you have it. I don't know. Okay. I might have it. I, I'm not like you, Colin. I, I usually download there or save everything to my library. <laughs> so I'm sure it's in there buried somewhere. Well, I can't wait to get the stats from this year, bro. I can't, I can't wait to see how... I think I have, like, three games added. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay. Very cool, man. All right, thanks for that, Slugger. And, uh, Daryl, let's actually stick with you. What did you have as your idea, then, for a game-slash-genre mashup? Uh, man, I, I'm not going to lie. This was kind of hard for me to <laughs> to come up with. So I, I'm just going to... I'm just going to go with it. So... I chose Mafia for the existing franchise, and the game that I would make from it is like an MMO where you can like create your own mm. crime organization. So the thing I really wish Mafia had was like you can like have a structure uh, to your organization, so you can have like roles that you can fill in, you know, you have, like, your soldiers, you have your capos, and then from there you work your way up to, like, lieutenant, you even have your consigliere, you know, your right-hand man, you know, stuff like that that you would hear from, like, mafia, um, godfathers, you know, stuff like that, these names that you hear. So it would be cool to kind of have, like, a structure to that. And the thing that I really like, the mafia, is, like, you know, after you complete taking over a section you would kind of have, like, your group roll in, you know, like, five, six cars deep with, like, 30 guys pulling up out of the cars. <laughs> and the thing that I would wish is that all of those NPCs were, like, controlled by another player. You know, just having, like, this massive organization of, like, people, you know, that you can just run a, um, a mafia with, which would be really cool. So I, I would love to have, like, a game like that in that sense where you can do well, like a multitude of things, you know, you can do like rackets, you can do robberies, you can have like gang wars, you can like fight other gangs for control of a territory, stuff like that. Ooh. And, uh, you know, kind of rise through the ranks. You can even have like the guys like put hits on you, like your own crew put hits on you, man. Like, oh, this dude, is you're like talking about some mafia stuff. You're talking about some like Eve Online shit, where like people can like scheme against you and like overthrow you and like, yeah, dude, that would be cool. Yeah, just make like a. <laughs> it sounds pretty cool that I'm talking about it. I actually really had a hard time coming up with an answer for this question. Oh, I think that'd be great, uh, dude. That's a, such a good idea. So there, we don't have a game. I mean, the closest we have is like GTA Online, but you can't do some of the shit you're talking about. You know. It's very limited. Yeah. Like, you can do a heist with other people via matchmaking or whatever, but, like, it's one mission, you know, from what I understand. It's not like you have, like, an ever-expanding territory war and organizations and stuff with, like, 
yeah, different schemes and money making and it's almost like you have like I'm thinking of Yakuza's uh like property and real estate management pieces like you could even have that as like a mini game within the game for like those people on your in your squad who are like hey this is what we're good at this is what we're gonna do we're gonna fucking do real estate for for this mafia group we're gonna make money right you have a whole nother group of people who do robberies whole nother group of people who do racketeering whole nother group who like bet on horse races and control that Oof. Bet on horse races. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I mean, you know what I'm saying though. Like you have different little like schemes yeah, like and specialties. Like, yeah, you have like yeah. different stuff that you could do. I think that'd be awesome. And then it, it can even be like more intricate. Like you can actually have like a like a like a mafia commission. So like a bunch of like big heads who are running this commission, making like big decisions and stuff for like the future of the mafia organization. So. You know, you can have a head to represent each organization. It seems pretty, seems like a fun thing. I think I would it'd be really cool. It. Dude, who knows? Because obviously, or not obviously, sorry, that sounds fucking prudish. But like, you know, the uh, I think Mafia 4 is a thing. Like, we, I'm pretty sure it's going to be made. And so at some point, maybe they're even going to dip into some online sort of functionality with those games. You never know. But if not, they should do something like this, because this sounds dope. I like the idea of it. It's kind of made me realize, like, like, there's been a few modern, like, I don't know, modern time, uh, like, MMORPGs that kind of follow the same vein, but I feel like they always flop. Like, I don't know what it is about. It, yeah. I don't know. They always work better when they're, like, fantasy-related. I love the idea of, like, rolling in with you guys if we had a freaking gang, and like you said, like, we all have our specialties, and we're all doing different things, like, earn our our clan or our, our mafia money and we're talking oh, yeah. against other mafias it's just we can hop cool in idea. tommy guns out go invade another territory try to try to take some dudes out and maybe get yeah. access to a few new racketeering gigs and you know smuggling routes or whatever yeah that'd be cool but it works so well for fantasy stuff like i wonder why i don't know you never because you said mmrpg right or did i mishear you uh, I said MMO, but I, I guess it yeah. can follow along in the same. Same thing. Yeah, you just really don't see a lot of, like, MMOs that aren't fantasy-related. Or, like, humans and elves battle the orcs. Like, it's it's always right. something fantasy-related. You know what was one? Second Life. I remember... There was a... I know about Second Life, but there was, like, a gang-related MMO, and you could, like, jump in a car and do drive-bys and stuff, but I don't think it was very successful. I remember mm. seeing videos about it and researching it when I was in, like, early high school, and it kind of looked like trash. Oh, interesting. So. But, yeah, there's certainly a market for it, I, like like you guys are saying. Like, it's a cool idea, and there's not really stuff like it out there. I think the closest is GTA. I mean, who knows what GTA yeah. 6 is going to be. I'm going to say that. Maybe but... GTA 6 with, you know... It's gonna be wild to see what they do with their online. Based oh, I'm, off the I'm gonna be all the first one. I'm gonna be all over that game. I, I just loved the campaign for GTA Five. I thought it was so fun, and I didn't even really fuck around with the multiplayer at all. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. But good idea there, Daryl. Very nice, sir. And uh, let's see. So, what did I have for? Where the hell was my? I took. I wrote myself notes on like OneNote basically, and then I emailed them to myself so I could look at them on my phone while I was sitting in this chair with you guys while we chat. And then my phone has disappeared. Here we go. Okay, so what would I want to do? Um, I think I've talked about this before on the show, so I apologize for repeating myself, but I think it's a good idea. I want to do a Halo survival horror game, and 
the way I'm kind of thinking about it and conceptualizing it is I actually wanted to be fixed camera angles. So I kind of wanted to be in the sim. I'm imagining it in the in the graphics engine or the look of the original Halo Three. So I don't want it to be something that's like super realistic or something that's like really like I don't know intense in the graphics sense. I want it to have sort of a nostalgic look to it that kind of emulates Code Veronica, Resident Evil original two and three and i'm thinking it would star a halo marine in odst and it would take place during the events of halo 2 or halo 3 and the idea would basically just be that if you play those games you know there's a point where the grave mind and the infected like ships basically you know there's multiple covenant ships and human ships that get flood spores on them and they you know eventually crash down onto earth in different places the ark etc like I would want to basically play an ODST marine on one of those ships on a US, on a, a human ship that would just get invaded by flood and so you'd be seeing everyone turn into like flood zombies and stuff around you and the idea would be that you need to get through the various like levels on the ship to be able to get to an escape pod and try to escape and or like send a message for help or to stay away or something like that right so you'd have the same kind of key card puzzle elements as an old school Resident Evil game You'd have fixed camera angles, and instead of, like, just zombies of people, they'd be, like, flood zombies of people, for example. And you could have Halo weapons make an appearance, so you could start with, like, the pistol, then eventually upgrade to, like, the silenced SMG, which made its appearance in Halo 3 ODST, so we know it's an ODST weapon. And you could eventually, you know, even have other stuff, maybe that you could get a a battle rifle, like, really late in the game, or the shotgun, but you have really limited ammunition. There's even a rocket launcher if you wanted to do some sort of, like, you know, boss fight against something. And maybe at one point, like saying Healy or other Covenant species have died on that ship for whatever reason. Maybe there's a landing craft that lands on your ship and then the flood hits. So you get like some Covenant aliens and stuff like that too. I think it could be really cool. And Halo needs to do something to switch it up. Like Halo Infinite now, the multiplayer is in a good space. But consistently, I think since Master Chief Collection got fully fixed, Right, I don't think Halo 5 and Halo Infinite had the same resonance that the series needed to have. And some of the other spin-off games, like Halo Wars 2, I think is really critically acclaimed, but it doesn't it didn't reach like the appeal. It didn't do anything to like really reinvigorate the series in a larger sense. And then there was a couple like top-down shooters, Spartan Assault, things like that that were okay, but I am in favor of them leaving Master Chief alone for a while, leaving the whatever they want to call the core timeline and arc of Halo alone for a while, and doing something that's like a spin-off story that's small, that's experimental, that changes the genre. So, yeah, fixed camera angle, old-school graphics, survival horror, Halo game, with you and the Flood. That is my idea. you guys have any thoughts on that? What do you think? I love... I love the idea. The only thing I don't like is like that genre of like the old school fixed camera angles. Because the whole time you're talking and describing this to me, I'm thinking Alien Isolation. Ah, uh, I'm like, ooh, yeah, give me that. <laughs> that yeah, I'm I'm open to it as long as it stays true survival horror. But in my mind, I was picturing fixed camera angles. I just I don't know. I'm thinking of like trying to use a freaking assault rifle <laughs> in a fixed camera <laughs> angle, and I'm like, there's no way I'm hitting shit. <laughs> Um. Yep. <laughs> I think it'd be cool doing. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't want to steal your take. I think it's a good take. I overall, I like the idea of a 
like a halo horror especially with the flood stuff yeah because it is kind of like freaky like i remember the first time playing halo and you get to that section of the flood i think so is it the library it's a 343 guilty spark yeah so and you get the little clip of like the marines you're watching the marines recording yes off of uh, the dead marines body and up to this point all you know is the covenant and you're just like what the fuck are these dudes mm-hmm. like and it just i remember it blowing my mind like wait there's more things we gotta fight there's freaking zombies now that are affecting <laughs> everything like i thought it was terrifying it is scary <laughs> for sure i agree and then by like game three or four, it's like, oh, it's just the flood. So I think it'd be cool to kind of take it back to the roots of that first Halo one and bring that horror element back because yeah. they are kind of freaky. They are Actually, totally. They, they are very freaky. I think once you're used to them, the scare the scariness goes away. But I think if you design the game correctly, whether that's old school Resident Evil type or something like Alien Isolation, I think you could make the flood like horrifying. Yes. Yes, I agree. There's even, I think, one level in Halo 3 that manages to recapture that a bit, which is the level where you're going to rescue Cortana and she's, like, in an infected Covenant ship. So the the ship is, like, entirely overgrown with, like, organic material, like, flood hive mind shit. And there's flood everywhere. It's like the entire level is flood. There's no Covenant. It, it, there's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And you hear them just, like, you know, walking all around you all the time. There's always the little polyp ones and other like things yeah. coming after you it's really creepy actually if you're playing solo if you're playing co-op it's whatever if you're playing by yourself with a headset on it's like kind of freaky i gotta replay that because i don't remember that at all mm. yeah that's a fun one fun mission but uh daryl what do you think i don't know i don't know how you feel about halo halo survival horror survival horror excuse me how does that sound to you it, it actually sounds pretty cool like I I play Halo 2 as well back in the day, and I remember not liking that section of the game just because, you know, the Flood was kind of a very scary part of the game for me, at least. I wasn't really big into the horror games back then, and then just, like, being caught off guard and being like, well, what's going on? Like, where are the elite? I'm so used to killing elite and grunts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then now I have these zombie looking creatures and I was like, Whoa, this is not cool. I don't really want to play this game anymore, but <laughs> it's, it's weird. Cause you know, a lot of people always find outer space, very fascinating mystique. There's some scary shit out there, man. I'm not, I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie about that. There's <laughs> yeah. some scary shit out there. Oh yeah. And Halo definitely had, you know some scary stuff in it with the flood so and especially i i I can't remember but there are some sections where you were in the level with the flood and there was like no lights at at certain parts of the game right correct correct yep you had to use your flashlight on your gun right yep on yeah your shotgun had a flashlight famously and then your pistol did too I mean that that already in itself was already scary too. But like now you don't have any lights. You don't you don't know what's around you. You're just going based off your senses. Yeah, a lot of people forget that about the original Halo. There was a flashlight that you had to toggle on, and it had like a meter. It would drain pretty quick, and you'd have to recharge it or whatever. You know, as you went through it, uh, you used it in the first level a decent amount too. There's a couple there's a couple levels where you used it, but yeah, it was pretty uh pretty creepy. I agree. So. It's good. You guys should check it out. If you've not played Halo 1, man, you're really, you, you gotta fucking play Halo 1. If you're a gamer, 
I know we're a PlayStation and trophy hunting podcast. I understand. But you cannot play modern shooters on PlayStation without understanding how much Halo changed the game for console shooters. Like, you would not be playing modern shooters as they are without it. So you, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Okay, very good. So, Zachary, thank you for the question, sir, and for the support on Patreon. Much appreciated. Our final question comes to us from Maximum Carnage, all the way from the UK. And Zachary, I believe, is in New Zealand? I could be, maybe that's wrong, or maybe it's the UK as well, but couple, couple boys from abroad. So here comes Maximum Carnage. He says, greetings, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. I will take Legolas because I just kicked Daryl's ass twice with an elf deck in magic. So So greetings, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. Mainly writing in to give Thrawn his daily dose of fucking profanity. Shout out to Thrawn. But seeing as I'm here, I may as well ask something. What's your favorite all-time minigame from any game? Say that ten times fast. Minigame from any game. Some fun stuff. So, Slugger, let's go to you first. What is your favorite minigame? Oh, boy. If I pick any minigame, it's going to be from the king of minigames, which is the Yakuza series. Yes. Um, I think these games, even though they're kind of niche and... I, they're picking up steam they're getting more popular um they i would say the one thing that are well known for is the amount of mini games in it some of these get so in-depth where they almost turn into their own like 5 10 15 hour like games like you could turn some of these mini games into their own full-fledged game um <laughs> i like a lot of them they go they range from like very simple to like hey i'm throwing darts or i'm doing billiards uh it's a very complex like business management sims or running your own taxi cab service. They kind of, yeah, they're all over the place. But I couldn't just say, hey, anything from Yakuza, I had to pick one. So the one I got addicted to most, and I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I'm not really embarrassed oh to say it. Oh my is... God, I'm seeing what you typed here. <laughs> all right, you're yeah. definitely getting this new Yakuza because there's porn stars in that one. So I know you're all Fuck after yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. This is going to... If you haven't played Yakuza, this is going to sound lame as fuck. If you have played Yakuza, you're probably going to agree with me. I hope. But the Cabaret Club minigames, they're not in every game, but they're in, they're in zero. three of them. Yeah, I think it's Zero, maybe one of the Kiwamis. They're in, they're in at least two of the games. But you, as Kiryu, can, I don't know how, but take over this Cabaret Club. And you like manage the girls if you don't know what a cabaret club is not so much like a brothel where you're selling these girls out for sex it's like you're selling these girls out to go on dates so these dudes will come in and they just want to sit down with a girl and have a drink and dance to music and eat some food they just want a date so it's not that insane and dirty Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it's not (laughs) But it like it's weird like this mini game specifically is I think it's so addictive like the music's great you can recruit girls in a lot of different ways you can kind of recruit them through an RNG aspect where uh you like send a scout out through the menu like it's kind of like a business management sim so you have this whole menu and it's covering your business and you can say hey go find me a girl and they'll bring back they'll say hey here's the person you recruited kind of like opening a card pack or something or you can get like the really, really rare ones by completing side quest. And the 
the girls have their own like specialties that are based around like they're good at talking they like to party they're good at the romance or they're just like good like their overall skill is good they're good at playing off what the customer wants so they have these like four specializations and you have to you like use the, or you have to understand these specializations and kind of go into each game of the cabaret club with the correct specialization that the customers want so you start as a menu at the like before the night club opens you have this menu you pick eight to ten girls and then when you actually enter the club this is where the mini game starts customers show up and you kind of have this top-down view of the club and you see like I don't know, maybe like eight tables. I think it's four on the top, four on the bottom. Customers will sit at these tables and they'll say, hey, I want a girl who likes to party or I want a girl who likes talking or I want a girl who's going to love on me and, you know, be romantic. Right. So then you have to assign the girls to each of these tables based off what the customer wants. And then they just sit there and they make money. And it, the higher their skill in whatever their specialization is and based off what the customer wants, the more money you make. But then it gets a little tricky because at times, like the girls will call you over to their table. You go over to the table. They'll give you little hand signals uh, where they're Ooh. requesting ice. Yeah. Ooh, little, ha- like, little handies, huh? <laughs> they give- <laughs> oh my God. Girls are giving you little hand signals, are they? I knew this was going to be awkward. Oh yeah. There like we go, explain dude. Explain what the hell I'm talking about. This is it. Watch you heard it here first, guys. Just, you heard it here first, just guys. Search, <laughs> search Cabaret Club Management Yakuza on YouTube, please. <laughs> <laughs> You're the FBI agent on the other side of your laptops. Like, what is this guy looking at? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but no, they'll they'll do uh, like hand signals, and you have to learn these. And if you don't learn them, you're really gonna screw up because they'll be asking asking for like ice cubes, and you may you'll get you'll be given an option where it says like hand them a towel, bring them ice cubes, bring them uh, a new drink. And if you pick the wrong option, like the customer gets mad, the girl gets discouraged, and she loses like her happiness. And the happier the girls are, the better they perform and the more money they make you so there it's very simple uh at face value but it gets like really deep with trying to like keep the customers happy keep the girls happy learning the hand signals and then at the end of the night you get to rake in all the money you keep it and then you can bring that back to the actual game world and spend that or you take a cut of it you don't get to keep all of it because you'll rake in like millions and millions and millions but you only I don't know the percentage, but you take a cut of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a bit of strategy that goes into it as well. Um, because you could be thinking, I'm just going to use like the S rank hostesses all the time. You can't. They kind of have like a health bar or like a stamina meter. And I would say, really, it's like every night you run them or every two nights, they need to take a night or two off. So you can't use them. So you have to kind of get creative with, what girls you're bringing in based off their specialties, kind of like I said before, because you don't want to use all your S ranks in one night and then roll into the next night yeah, and then have no S ranks and you're stuck with a bunch of like low performing girls. Right. You don't want um, your, you don't want to use all your S ranks on a Monday afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't even get to like, this is where I'm going to sound like a creep. 
Oh, now. Can, Only now, though. Go ahead. You can play. It's going to sound awkward. As fuck. Yeah. You can dress the girls up, and mm -hmm. that's weirdly addictive, too, because you can adjust their makeup and their dresses. And, and it does like different stat changes or whatever. It changes their stats. So you almost like it's kind of like creating like an RPG party. It's like, all right, I want to have a good like blend of everything. So I have one girl like that's kind of silly and she's decked out in silly things. And I have another girl that's like, oh, I'm going for sexy here. And she's decked out in sexy things. There's a lot that goes into it. And um, I think the game that I I think it was Yakuza Zero. I don't know. One of the games I got the platinum in, you had 100% this mode. And I think I spent a good like five to 10 hours just on this mini game. So. This <laughs> for Thrawn. Get the fuck out of here. I yield my time. <laughs> no, no. I, I know exactly. I played Yakuza Zero, so I know what you're talking about. It is really fun. And, um, it, it just it's hard to talk about without making stupid jokes because I'm a five year old. No, inside, I, know. I so, love it. I yeah, love it. I apologize, but yeah, no, that is a, that's a good choice. Honestly, there's so many cool mini games in Yakuza, and I'm I'd be lying if I told you I'm not excited about the man who erased his name. The it's kind of like AC Mirage, where the idea that it's a shorter game that's more limited in its scope is actually appealing to me because the franchise as a whole has taken such a and taken an approach where their games are like massive and require, you know, like eighty to hundred hours or something like that. So yeah. yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm I might even pick it up, no joke. And that might be kind of a sin because I've only played zero and one. I didn't even beat zero. I got probably halfway through it, but I did beat one or Kiwami. So we'll see. But uh, Daryl, does this do anything for you? You've kind of dipped your toes in to Yakuza, and I know you were interested to go back after you had traveled to Japan somewhat recently so how do you feel about this yeah there's um japan's a cool place man i gotta say there's a lot of like what slugger described out there <laughs> there's a lot of these um these places <laughs> where it gets a little bizarre um i think there's like a what do they call it they call it like a couple's hotel oh a love like hotel that. or whatever I, I, yeah I I wonder if there's if there's something like that in this game or within the the series as a whole. Oh, there is. <laughs> yeah, I think, especially is. the new one. They showed like a scene where you can go like to a room with like and take a bath. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. I was like, oh my god! Of course, it's pretty intense. Yes, but it, it sounds cool. Like I I definitely want to check it check these mini games out for myself. Maybe not that one in particular, but <laughs> no. I feel like every time I hear Yakuza, you know, the the mini games always come up. It's always a topic of discussion. Yeah, you can race the little the cars, right? There's like the batting cages you talked about. There's tons of arcade games. I mean, we're talk we're focusing on the one that happens to be slightly risque or whatever. But like, really, we're talking about different management sims, right? There's different skins for that, and then there's yeah, all the arcade stuff. So it seems like a franchise and ip that's ripe with mini games to pick from so very cool very cool yeah daryl let's go to you next what did you come up with for your favorite mini game of all time uh so favorite mini game uh so i really like the mini games from bully i thought they're really really cool and fun um the mini games i'm referring to are the ones that you had to go to a class and there's different classes you, you can go to. There's like one for English, math. Uh, math was by far the worst one. I found that one to be absolutely terrible just because I hate math and I felt like the <laughs> minigame was just 
awful. The minigame is just doing math. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then just randomly out of nowhere, which is which of these is the fastest? Like, right. Huh? <laughs> That's, don't even get me started. But yeah, there's some cool ones like biology. You had to like dissect different animals. It was kind of like playing um, Operation where you had to like cut out like a particular path of an organ, stuff like that. Some really addicting games. I actually found that to be like more fun, like in a video game classroom compared to an actual classroom. Totally, dude. And I mean, some Ready Player One stuff right there. You could go to class virtually and as an avatar. Would more people go? I don't know. Probably. Anyway. Yeah, ahead. it's cool. Yeah, a lot of the teachers, you know, the teachers were really weird in their own way. I mean, it's, it's very typical of a Rockstar game. Like, yeah, like the drunk teacher and stuff like that. And I think, like, depending on where you are in the story... A lot of the uh, the teachers will kind of bring up stuff that's happened in the game, so that was pretty cool. You kind of hear their commentary as you're doing, you know, your homework or whatever it is. But the mini games in there were pretty good. I actually enjoyed those quite a bit. That's awesome, man. You and uh, one of my best friends named Joe, who you you probably met and saw at the wedding, Daryl, but he has been trying to get me to play Bully for a long time. <laughs> so he would love to hear you say that. He's, he's probably he's loving it right now. I think he listens from time to time, so shout out, Joe, if you're listening. Nice. Um, yeah. It had some good games. Uh, the mini games were really good. I mean, I had I had to shout out some honorable mentions for sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I did have some other good ones, but I felt like Bully was just a little bit more in... Um, no, it, it definitely hit the nostalgia factor for me. But Gwent was also a good one. You know, it'd be a tragedy not to mention that one. I absolutely love Gwent when I played The Witcher 3. Um, mm. Was not a fan of it at first. You know, being introduced to it early in the game. I really did not like card games to begin with. So, like, when I played Gwent, you know, just trying it out for the first time, it, it was really boring. But the more I played it, the more you collect different cards that can kind of help your deck, depending on how you're playing. And... It was fun. It was really fun. And now that I think about it, it reminds me a lot of Commander because there's characters in the game that uh, become cards and they have like different abilities. They can buff your guys or they can do like some damage to the other opponents. So it's pretty cool. And yeah, Gwent was fun. I enjoyed it. And I don't know if you guys played Spider-Man. But um, like the, the the new one, the twenty the twenty seventeen one or whatever, yeah. The OG one with uh, Toby Maguire. Yes, on GameCube, I did play that. So there is a mini game in there where you can do bowling with um with thugs who are like wrapped up in the web, <laughs> and you can just like swing down the alley and just like knock out thugs. Dude, I haven't thought about <laughs> that in. <laughs> fucking 20 years at least <laughs> that's great that's so crazy you remember that i totally did not remember that about that game well i actually don't remember any mini games from any game Gwen is probably the only one i remember off the top of my head but like i just like did a google search i was like mini games from games and then spider-man came up i was like i played that mini one. games from games <laughs> yep <laughs> And then Spider-Man, I was like, oh, dude, this bowling one. I definitely remember playing this one. It was fun. You could play, like, multiplayer and just, like, 
pass the controller amongst like three other friends of yours and just you know play bowling at your on on your TV screen. This looks ridiculous. I had to Google this. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, very good choices. I also had trouble like thinking of mini games. I I, I don't know why. Um, I think it's because a lot of the mini games that came to mind were from me or for me, excuse me, were from older games. Things like Fusion Frenzy or Mario Party or you know even the original battle mode for Mario Kart on N64, stuff like that. And I was having trouble thinking of newer stuff. But eventually, I, I started thinking about it more, and I'm like, you know what? Resident Evil has some pretty darn good mini games or sort of side pieces that they do within their games. And more recently, there's been two of them that jumped out to me. I want to give first an honorable mention to the new Mario Party on switch which has a mini game that's a river cruise where you each each player it's up to four players controls a paddle on this like raft and if you paddle on the left side the boat will go right so you steer as you would normally if you're kayaking or canoeing or whatever and the whole idea is you have to get down this river and there's a timer that's counting down and when you get over certain points you'll find like a clock or something in the middle of the river if you steer over it and pick it up it gives you like three seconds or whatever added to your time and there's different obstacles that you can run into that will lose you time. And there's mini games that you play periodically along the way by running into a balloon on the river. So you can miss these mini games, right? But you want to do them because if you get an S rank on the mini game, you get like a certain amount of time added to your overall clock. And if you get a C rank, you get lower time, etc., etc. And on normal mode, it's not that hard. But when you get to hard mode for that mini game, it's actually really, really intense. And my brother-in-law and my, like, I guess, cousin-in-law tried to do that for, like, probably five hours this summer. <laughs> like, just trying to do one hard mode run. And they could not get, like, past, like, three-quarters of the way through it. And the normal mode is, is quite fun and quite easy. So I wanted to give a shout-out to, I think it's called River Cruise for the new Mario Party on the Switch. That game is awesome. But that's sort of my runner-up. My first choice actually was the Blackjack slash 21 minigame in Resident Evil 7. So this was nice. in, yeah, that this game mode is so cool. Like, I am someone who enjoys poker and I enjoy Blackjack. I've, I've gambled, like, at casinos from time to time. Like, I'm not, like, good at it or whatever. That Not that you can be. But I just, you know, I had, like, an understanding of 21. But this minigame kind of takes it to another level with different trump cards and it sort of mixes in some, like, tabletop elements into traditional blackjack. And then it puts you in a setting that's horror-based but also goofy and really reminded me of something like Saw. It was probably the closest analog in, like, a, a video game form we've had to a Saw puzzle, even though there's been Saw video games on the Xbox. I think maybe on PS3 as well, but there's a couple Saw games there for a while that were kind of wonky. This felt the closest to, like, the movies and the spirit of the movies. And it's super fun. And I don't know. It's it's rare. It's in one of the banned footage DLCs for Resident Evil 7. But it's worth looking at. It's it's so unlike the normal game. And it's not like End of Zoe or Not a Hero where it's still, like, a third-person or, sorry, first-person, like, action-slash-shooter game. It's just completely different to that. It's worth checking out. A couple of those on there are worth checking out. There's, like, a bedroom one on there where you have to escape basically an escape room and you're on a different sort of timer and looking for clues and if you get the the hook of it is if you move anything in the room you, while you're trying to search for clues and trying to escape 
you have to put it back because as you're rummaging through things, you make noise, which triggers a certain villain or enemy to come into the room. And if they catch you trying to escape, they kill you and it's game over. Right. So you have to like anything you touch, you have to put back to how it was before you found it. And that's another one that's like really, really cool. So yeah, shout out to Resident Evil 7 and some of their mini games. And shout out to the River Cruise mini game from Mario Party. Anything to add there, boys, before we move on? No, I I said nice, but I really like that um that blackjack game in Resident Evil 7. Like the saw vibes are definitely there with that mini game. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a good time. I was and, and, yeah. the, and the birthday party. Like I Oh yeah. I like the escape room style like type of stuff. Maybe it's because I've done actual escape rooms quite a bit in the last like two months, but I wish we saw more of those elements in uh, like video games where it's, you're stuck in a single room and you got to like piece everything together to get out. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They had that in that DLC, right? It was the birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday party was one they had, so they had that, they had bedroom and they had the blackjack mini game. Or maybe the birthday yeah. party one was a VHS tape, but you did it in the main game as well. There was like a small section of the main game that had yeah. a sort of escape room sequence. A... Yeah, there was one in the main game, and then there was a spinoff in the DLC that was like similar. I think it was a little different, but pretty yep. similar. Yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's it's good stuff for sure. Resident Evil knows what they're doing, man, with minigames. Because also the Leech Hunter mode, like, Daryl, you did that one for RE0. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, it was fun. the The guide made it um quite fun, actually. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was fun to follow along, and um, yeah, I actually enjoyed my time with it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, thank you for the question, Maximum Carnage. Thank you for the profanity as well. Hopefully, <laughs> you've all enjoyed that out there. And with that, let's get into sort of our main discussion and topic for the show, which is. A little bit different than what we would normally be doing. So as you all know, if you've listened before, we alternate between trophy list reviews and what we've been playing episodes. So we are going to do something a little bit different this time, and we're going to be talking about five games each from our backlog that we want to go back and complete or that we like really have to go back and complete. It's basically condensing down your backlog. And for me, I'm, I'm going to go to you guys and get your thoughts on this because this is sort of how I formatted my list was... These can be games I've started, or they can be games that I own but haven't started, but I did not pick any games that I do not own and haven't started, if that makes sense. So I haven't picked something that's like, oh, I just didn't buy that yet, or I really yeah. need to play it, but I haven't, I don't own it, or whatever. And that's fine if you did. I'm, I'm just, you know, that's just personally what I did. So we're going to go through five games each, and we'll kind of go in, a, in an order here and talk about these games. I think it'll be pretty fun because we've we've talked about backlogs a lot this year. We've talked about completion percentage a lot this year, especially towards the beginning of the year. And I've been more and more aware of my backlog recently in different ways and trying to reshape sort of how I think about it, maybe try to unencumber myself from it a bit. So this is sort of an exercise of like, if you could only pick five to say that, yeah, I'm going to do these, what games would those be? And real fast... You know, like I said, I formatted this list as things that I have either started and have completion percentage in, but no platinum, or things that I own but have not started. 
I'm curious, Daryl, did you what rules did you make for yourself in terms of how you pick the games? Did you pick from anything or was it the same sort of idea? Um, so I, I picked games that I definitely own. The only exception that I did for this was that I did not include like God of War, Ragnarok, or Dead Space. Those are obvious choices, <laughs> but um <laughs> God damn it, dude. Yeah, I can't believe it. Uh, Dude, stop harassing me, man. I'll get to it. God of War Ragnarok and Resident Evil Remake, man. Those got to be up there. <laughs> they got to they gotta be on the list. I, I definitely did not include those games. I mean, they're obvious choices. I will get to them eventually, but there's been a few other games that I've had my eye on, and, you know, I, I just feel that I would like to play them at some point, and it's kind of a shame that I keep putting them on hold. But these are games that I definitely um, have in the back of my mind. Like, these are games I definitely want to try sooner rather than later. Right on. Very cool. And Slugger, what about you? What rule set did you have for how you picked your games? It was pretty similar. Uh, I thought about doing games that are incomplete in, in my profile. Like, I've started them already, uh, but haven't finished them. I backed away from that, and I kind of picked... I just went more vague, and I picked five games I own that I'm really excited to get to. And I, similar to you, I would like to get to them like sooner rather than later. Cool. Right on. Yeah, I ended up doing a mix of things I had started and things I had not started, but that I own. So I think this will be fun. Very good. So we'll, we'll go in order. Um, I'll talk about my first game, then uh, we'll go to you, Daryl, and then Slugger will go to you last, and then we'll just kind of repeat. So hopefully this will be a good time. So my first game was Shadow of the Colossus. So this game for me sits at a 2% currently. It was developed by Bluepoint, who make excellent remakes and remasters. We've already talked about them, funny enough, in the context of Bloodborne and Demon Souls this episode. But the thing about this game is I never played the original on PS3, or actually on PS2, and then they remastered it one time on the PS3, I believe, and then again it was remastered and remade into what we know from the Bluepoint version. And the game looks incredible. You know, I, I'm at 2%. I've put in a few hours, I think an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. I bought this game on a whim, and really, it, it's so weird. As you guys know, there's certain things where you just, certain games where, like, if you're not in the right headspace, it's the wrong time, wrong, t wrong place, or whatever, you just kind of bounce off of something, and you don't really know why. That's what happened to me with this game, because I thought it was beautiful, I thought that the bosses were very cool. I thought that the control scheme was weird, but actually kind of added to sort of the mystique of the game. And the story and the setting are really, uh, what's the word I should use? I guess haunting, right? You want to know what happens. There's certainly something wrong with the area, with the land. You can gather that much. And I'm hoping that over the course of the story, you learn about what's happening in these ruins and why your character is there and what the, who they're trying to save, all that stuff. And uh, or the relationship with the person they're trying to save. It also has, from a trophy perspective, kind of everything I'm looking for in terms of a engaging, difficult list that also respects your time. So the estimate for this game is not very long, 35 to 40 hours for the Platinum. The, the in, like, in general, gameplay experience and main game playthrough is not that long, but it also has lots of secrets. It's got difficulty-related trophies. It's got grade-related trophies. And it also has a speedrun trophy. So in terms of like what I look for, specifically the difficulty trophy and the speedrun trophies, this is like, it's got it going on. You know, and it's right there. And I really respect Bluepoint, and I think that this game is one that's going to 
not take me too long to finish and that I will really enjoy my time with. I don't really have much else to say beyond that. It's just the first pick that came to mind for me. It's been on my mind a lot. And I repurchased it on sale earlier this year in order to go back and clean it up. So Shadow of the Colossus is one I really would like to get to. And with that, Daryl, I'll pass it to you for your first pick or if you have any thoughts on the game. That's a good one. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus is one I would love to get to, but it didn't make my list. But I'm glad uh, you mentioned that. It's, it's definitely one that I would like to play. Right on. Very cool. What do you have for your first one? Uh, so my games aren't in any particular order. They're not one that I would rather play more than the other. They're just I just listen them off. So the the first one that I would like to play uh, is Yakuza. So I started uh, Kiwami last year in November. This was just kind of like a a filler game for me. I really was burned out from Resident Evil Zero. <laughs> and play Toem. That was a great game. And then, you know, I really didn't have anything else to play. So Yakuza was the one that I decided to play. And I picked this game at the absolute worst time because I played it maybe like a week out before I left for uh, my two-week trip oh, <laughs> overseas. Gosh. So I started a little bit of it. I, I roughed up this one guy, and that was just about it. Like I said, I picked at the worst time, and then I remember Slugger specifically um, saying that this is definitely a game, like, once you pick it up, you got to play through it, and <laughs> because there's so much to it, and then when I tried to get back to this game, when I came back from my trip, I just was not really interested in it at, at that point. It was quite a shame, you know, because I, I really wanted to play it and just chose it at the worst time possible. And then I just never really got back to it. But, you know, hearing about all these games that are coming out for Yakuza and then now hearing about this mini game, you know, that Slugger loved, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely want to check it out. Hell yeah, man. That's a that's a really great choice. I struggled with if I should put Yakuza 0 on my list a few times. And ultimately did not, spoiler alert, but I'm glad that it's getting some representation here. So Slugger, what do you think about Yakuza? And what did you have for your first game? I got my own Yakuza twist on this list, but I'll save it to give it some space. Okay. Um, I still stand by that statement. These games are like, I don't know if it's the foreign nature of them, but I feel like they're hard to, I don't want to say drop, but they're hard to pause and come back to. I've noticed in a couple of Yakuza games when I've given them breaks and left for shit, even a short time, like, you know, two, three weeks and played something else and come back. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And then I kind of have to watch YouTube videos or just start over. Um, you really got to like, I think you, get, I think you have to marathon them. So, right. Um, good pick. I'm never going to be upset about that pick. I feel like this is cheating. But the first one I'm going to go with is Mass Effect. Oh. Um, and I say I feel like it's cheating because I just put down the Mass Effect series. And the way I was arguing I could get around this is they sold 1, 2, and 3 as a single game bundle. Even though they have several lists and they're different games. But I picture it as one mega game. They're a continuation of each other. You can buy them in a complete package. So I'm going to say Mass Effect series as a whole or at least that initial trilogy i don't know if that's cheating i'll just say mass effect one but <laughs> the reason i picked this series is i remember playing one 
back on the 360 and I loved it. And then when 2 came out, uh, I think I had just made the switch from Xbox to PlayStation. I was really kind of disgruntled. I had no uh, like data to carry over to 2 because the big thing these games are known for is like uh, the characters you make, all the choices you make, your relationships all carry over from game to game if you you know, push the save file through. So when Mass Effect 2 came out on PS3, I had gotten rid of my Xbox, and I never really wanted to dive into it because I'm like, it's not going to be with the characters I made and the relationships I made. And so I never really dove into 2 and 3. Uh, I tried it. I did try a little bit later on, a couple years after the fact on, P- on PS3, and um, really liked what I saw out of Mass Effect 2. I... I dropped it for some reason. I don't remember why. I think it was kind of... I tried to play it around the time PS4 came out, and PS4 came out, and I just got sucked into the new system. Yeah. Um. So, like, I know I love this series because I absolutely loved number one. And when this collection came out on PS4 with the trilogy, and, you know, they had all these graphical updates, and you can play them on modern consoles and carry everything over, and there is that weird, like, fourth shared trophy list i immediately bought it i'm like hell yeah i want to go through this i want to do it right i want to carry everything over see it from beginning to end one through three and i just never did i think there was just when did that come out like two summers ago i think other things kind of got in the way i think it came yeah 2021 summer i think like or spring yeah something like that eventually it just kind of slipped into the depths of my backlog which is a shame, and I I don't want it to be down there. I really would love to go through this and maybe even check out Andromeda after that. Because I've heard Andromeda actually isn't that bad. I've heard some people actually say it's not too bad. Yeah, I enjoyed my time with it. It's not on my list to clean up. I didn't platinum it or finish it, but I actually played it before I played Mass Effect 1, weirdly enough. And I, I, did, I think because of that, I didn't mind it as much. I think if you've loved and played the originals, maybe it's not doing it for you, but... For me, as someone fresh to the series, I didn't really understand what all the fuss was about. Right. Yeah, that'll be my first pick, Mass Effect series. And like I said, if I did say Mass Effect 1 if you wanted me to narrow it down to 1, but I would say Mass Effect 2, actually. Because okay. I played the first one, I think, twice. So I could probably just start at 2 and then go to 3 from there. Wow, so it's funny. We have very similar journeys. And in fact, my second choice was Mass Effect 2. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> because I played the first game in 2021 at this point via the collection that you mentioned and have not gone back to Mass Effect 2 since. It has been the most requested game my friend Joe has made of me to play in general. That and Bully, no joke, are the two main games. He's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you got to play these. He also recommended The Witcher 3 a few times, but he knows how I feel about that game. And so he stopped recommending it. But he's like, you actually would really love Mass Effect 2 and Bully. And Mass Effect 1, I really enjoyed. The only thing I didn't like about it is my fault again. I missed a codex entry at one point and had to do like eight hours of a second playthrough. So it wasn't quite as like tight of an experience as I would have hoped because I had to get dip back in for a second part of the campaign. But I thought the first playthrough was awesome. I did not play it on the hardest difficulty. So if I want the overall list to be at 100%, I will at some point have to go and do that. But whatever. I've heard Mass Effect 2 is the best of them. I've heard it kind of gets rid of some of the really hardcore RPG elements of the first game. 
which sounds funny to say because actually I didn't find it to be very hardcore in terms of an RPG. And actually I thought it was pretty easy. And in terms of like general gameplay experience, I think I just played on like either the heroic equivalent or normal. I didn't even play on easy. I thought it was totally fine. But uh, yeah, Mass Effect 2, I don't really have much else to say beyond I love sci-fi and that I know I would love this game. The thing that kind of stresses me out about going to it and why I think it's sat in my backlog for so long is the idea of heavily requiring monitoring your progress via the phone and your guides. and It seems like a more intense hunt than maybe I would want from a game like that. Like I would love to not have to reference my phone really at all. And be like, okay, just don't get beyond this, like, final mission. And I think that's true, but I've heard the combat-related trophies in Mass Effect 2 are much tougher. You have to really actually, like, strategize on how you'll go for them as opposed to the combat-related trophies in the Mass Effect 1 list. So it's steered me away for some time, but I know for sure that I have to play it. And I really would love to play Mass Effect 2 and then subsequently 3, but I specifically put Mass Effect 2 on the list and i don't have any progress in it it's at zero percent so yeah but i own it it needs to happen mass effect 2 is my number two pick daryl let's go to you what do you have for your next one uh number two for me is detroit become human oh so i have progress on this i only have one trophy i did the opening segment with connor you're investigating that crime scene that's all i've done with the game oh Uh, not really sure why i fell off on this game maybe i just wasn't feeling it at the time i think this was a ps plus free game it was when uh you you and i and eli were playing uh colin yep and i don't know it it just never really kind of went off for me so um having the the chance to play heavy rain another game made by the the devs, you know, I absolutely love Heavy Rain. Older game, it was kind of wonky at times, but it kind of gave me a glimpse of how good Detroit be- Become Human can be. So I'm really excited to see the comparisons between the two and just Heavy Rain. I played that this year recently, and I absolutely enjoy playing that game. So I can only expect the same with Detroit Become Human. I'm sure that's going to be a fun game. I've heard lots of good things about this game, and you know, this would be a really chill game to just kind of relax and play, um, you know, when I get the chance. So number two for me, Detroit Become Human. Oh, yeah, man. You're going to love that shit. That game is great. It's really great. I think you you have to look at a guide a lot beyond after your first playthrough, obviously, to get everything. But it's so fun. And Slugger, you played that game as well, right? Any thoughts on Detroit yeah. Become Human? No, I know you like the quarry and you liked Heavy Rain. If you like those two. Detroit Become Human is going to be right up your alley with that like narrative choice-driven style game. Yes, sir. Indeed. Slugger, what did you have for your second game then? Let's see. Mm, I have to make a decision because I couldn't decide. I said a roguelike, but <laughs> I picked... <laughs> hear, hear me out. I picked two of them. I picked Rogue Legacy 2 or Dead Cells. So let me... If I flip a coin, I'm going to say Dead Cells, I think I'm more interested in. What got me on this hook is, or got me hooked on this idea, is I recently guest starred on a new up-and-coming podcast. Uh, I won't name it or anything yet until it goes live, but we talked about Hades, and 
it was a lot of fun kind of diving back into Hades because I haven't touched that game in two years. And it, just talking about the roguelike mechanics with another gamer who also loves roguelikes, all I could think was like, man, I want to do, like, I want to dive into one of these again, like I dove into Hades. And all I could think about was Rogue Legacy 2 or Dead Cells. I think Dead Cells I've eyed way more in the past, um, especially with like that new, uh, they have that Castlevania edition DLC, oh, yeah. which looks really cool. And I know nothing about the game other than it is a like 2D side-scrolling roguelike, but I know it's one of the more famous ones. So the big problem with this is there's so many like, I don't know, big story heavy games. You look at like Starfield or Baldur's Gate or any of the games in October where it's like, do I want to dive 50 to 100 hours into a game with minimal story that's more about the gameplay than it is, I don't know, the story. So I think you could juggle that and maybe Starfield on Xbox as like two different experiences. I don't think you could do that and a big RPG on PlayStation though. That would be weird. Yeah, and that's why I like the idea of roguelikes is because they're so, like, run-based and their runs are, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. So you can almost make it a daily thing. Like, hey, I'm going to do one run a night before I jump back into, like, my main game. So, yeah, I'll say Dead Cells for number two. Great choice. Roguelikes, I know, are, are a good genre for you. You really enjoy those, and that game looks cool as hell. If I If I like those genres of games and I was better at them i would have tried it out at this point because i know it looks awesome especially the castlevania stuff like you said but uh yeah good stuff let's see what should i go with what should i go with a surprising factor or something we've already talked about you know what we'll go easy we've talked about this already on the show because my number three is bloodborne i am sitting at a 46 percent currently with the game and the game has a you know surprisingly high platinum percentage, as do all FromSoft games. So this is one that is achievable for me. This is the game that truly made me understand the potential, I think, of the Soul of the Souls genre of game. Because previously I had played the Dark Souls one through three franchise, but in Bloodborne you get to see that a lot of the mechanics and the things that you love about the Dark Souls games can translate to different settings. And you can iterate on the idea of things like an Estus Flask, and you can pare down some of the systems and the mechanics and make them more aggressive versus defensive. And you really saw this sort of twist with FromSoft and how they approached their games after the sort of reception that Dark Souls is like a hunker down and attack the butt of the boss kind of mentality. They they responded with things like Bloodborne and Sekiro, which are much, much different much more rhythm of combat, timing-based, uh, aggressive games. And you even saw that a bit with Dark Souls 3. So Bloodborne is a fantastic game. And it also is the thing that started my initial conversations with Eli about YouTube and Twitch and podcasting and trophies and really kind of led to some of our earlier discussions about doing a show with trophies. And if you go and look, shout out to Narshredder13, go and look at his YouTube channel. Some of the first videos he uploaded are of Bloodborne, and he absolutely loves that game. So it's good stuff there. I've I've done the hardest ending so far, so I would have to replay the game and do a save scum at the end to get the sort of medium difficulty and then the easiest difficulty endings out of the way. And then other than that, though, I still have to do all the chalice dungeons, which if you do them legit are a very difficult and grindy process. 
but something that sounds fun and cool to me. And I also have to get all the weapons in the game, so that's going to require just a tiny dip into a New Game Plus profile along the way in my main playthrough, making sure that I get all of the weapons, which isn't too bad, if I recall. So Bloodborne, very, very cool. Really awesome game. That's my number three choice. Daryl, over to you. What do you have for yours? Uh, so number three is also Bloodborne for me. No way, dude. We're, we're fucking killing it with these <laughs> lists. <laughs> we did not go over this yeah. ahead of time, by the way. We no one knew. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised when you said Bloodborne. And I was like, me too. <laughs> nice. But I chose Bloodborne. Uh, I started this game maybe like two or three years ago. Didn't get very far. Like I said earlier, I got to the cleric beast. That was the only boss I fought, and the trophy. That was the only one I got for the game. So it's sitting at I think it's like a four percent completion on my profile uh maybe even less okay but i would like to go back to that game this game was kind of like the reason why it's sitting at such a low percentage is obviously i never got back to it but it was kind of like in a head-to-head matchup with wolfenstein because i play this starting like in october you know those games kind of fit the time of the month mostly bloodborne but like um, busy time of the year for me at work. You know, October is very busy, a lot of stuff going on. So I didn't really have a ton of time to play. So I didn't really know which game I wanted to play between the two. It was either Bloodborne or Wolfenstein. And I played a little bit of both. But the more I played Wolfenstein, I, I finally realized Wolfenstein was probably going to be the game for me for that month. So never really got back to Bloodborne. But it's always been a game that I've wanted to play, especially after playing Sekiro. You know, like Colin said, you know, the, the game's more of like a rhythm combat, and I absolutely love Sekiro's combat mechanics. I really got into that game and was just like, man, I, I really want to play Bloodborne now. Um, that's like one game, the one game I've been really anxious to get to. So that's one game I'm really excited to get to. I'm kind of like formulating a plan of of like games I want to play in October. I, you know, Bloodborne is always an obvious choice for that month. So yeah, maybe I might play coming up pretty soon. Who knows? Hell yeah, man. And I, I would quickly like to correct myself because I realize there actually are DLC trophies for Bloodborne. One of the few from soft games where the DLC actually has its own specific trophies. It is, uh, there are DLC trophies for the game. I am not including that <laughs> in my uh, idea to go back to it. But if you do just the base game, it's at a 21.65%. And if you do 100%, it's at 13.83%. So, Bloodborne, dude. Great choice, Daryl. That's so funny that we both picked it, too. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? All right, Slugger, <laughs> what do you got for your third one? A Plague Tale Requiem. Oh. Sequel to A Plague Tale, whatever the first one was called. Innocence. <laughs> Innocence. Innocence, thank you. I bought this game on sale a couple months ago, Tale as Old as Time, mm-hmm. and I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, you know what I was waiting for? I was waiting for, this had that weird, like it wasn't fully optimized for the next gen systems. It was running at like a, it was either like a 30 or a weird like 45 frames per second. And they said they were working on a 60 FPS patch. And I told myself, like, all right, I'm going to buy it on sale. When they drop it, drop the 60 FPS mode, uh, I'll pick it up. Or not pick it up, but finally start and play it. Well, they came out with that mode, I think it was a month or two ago. And I still haven't gone back and played it. 
Uh, it is on my short list, though. Uh, the plan is for this game to be my letter A for Pat's A to Z challenge. Awesome. Um, and I'm really looking forward to diving into it because I, I really enjoyed the first one. I know it's kind of universally, universally praised, but I thought the the story elements were cool. Uh, very emotional type of storytelling. The gameplay. I'm not big on like stealth type stuff. So I didn't care for those sections of the first game, but I really liked the puzzle elements where you're like crawling through crypts and dungeons or prisons. Um, and you have these, you know, horrific like disease rats that are just swarming everywhere. There's thousands of rats on the screen, but they're scared of the light. So you have to like, all the puzzles are very like light based or trying to figure out how to get from one end of the room to the other. Um, and sometimes you use the rats to your advantage where you're luring them to guards to take guards out. And then they're swarming the guards so you can sneak by. There's just a lot of cool, like puzzle elements that tie into uh, the rats and the light and how those play off each other. So yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of see where they go with number two. I've, I remember watching the one trailer, but that's all I've seen of it. So I have no idea of what the second game is about other than uh, there's more story between the brother and the sister. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Very good choice. I kind of forget that that sequel exists. Not for, like I don't mean any offense to it at all. I absolutely loved the first game, especially getting it through PS Plus. One of the few games I claimed, I was really pleasantly surprised with it. And talked about it on one of our episodes back in the day. And yeah, it, it's cool. I, I need to get to it, but I totally, I don't own it yet. So at this point, I'm going to wait and see, you know, if it's on sale at some point. I think it is on uh, the Game Pass. It's on Game Pass, right? I'm almost positive it is the sequel. Uh, so I think was, you can play it I there. Don't... I'll look it up while you keep going. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so my fourth game, this one, oof, dude, which one? Which one? Oh, I gotta just make a decision. Okay, I'm gonna go with Resident Evil Code Veronica X. So, Resident Evil, you all know, one of my favorite franchises of all time, if not my favorite franchise of all time. And I've been working through and getting the platinum in all of the mainline games. I now own or have the platinum in all the mainline games except for six as far as numbered titles. But if you want to expand beyond numbered titles, you get into territory such as Code Veronica X. And if you expand even one more beyond that, you get things like Revelations, Revelations 2, etc., etc. as you go. Code Veronica X originally was, or Code Veronica original, I guess, was intended to be Resident Evil 3. That's like what the idea was behind the game. Resident Evil 3 proper, as we know it, the old school game on PS1, was actually intended to be a much shorter side story that starred Jill and, of course, takes place during the events of Resident Evil 2. But eventually, I think through playtesting and or further discussions at Capcom, they decided to make Resident Evil, the side project with Nemesis, the main core numbered title, and they outsourced the idea for what would be Code Veronica to a different studio to be made for the Dreamcast. So Code Veronica, for a lot of reasons, is almost a core numbered title. It's very important to the lore of the games and to the entire sort of playthrough chronology. And this game is really fucking awesome. It's one of the last core old-school style Resident Evil games. It marries this idea of fixed camera angles with the camera actually having some mobility. So 
you still have pre-fixed angles that you see the game through, but as you move from left to right along the screen, for example, the camera will follow you. So the background will kind of scroll almost as you go. It's a very cool idea. And it's also the hardest or the second hardest uh, Resident Evil Platinum to obtain, depending on who you speak with. Daryl and I both have the what would be considered maybe the other hard one of Resident Evil Zero, but Code Veronica is the other one that comes up quite a bit when you ask people about the toughest game in the franchise. There's minigame uh, trophies that you have to get. You have to get an A rank with all these different characters and their combat scenarios in the post game. You have to get an S rank on the main game for a trophy, which is really quite tough. I don't think you can save. You have to beat the game in under three and a half hours, and I don't believe that you can use a first aid spray. I believe you can use a po or a, uh, a green herb, but I don't think you can use first aid sprays. So it's really restrictive. In that scenario, there's only one autosave the game makes for you at the halfway point in the game. It is really, really scary. Fuck the moths in that game. If you've been in Party Chat with me and JB, you've heard me talking about that so many times with him. Jesus Christ, this game is hard. But Resident Evil Code mm -hmm. Veronica X is my number four choice. Daryl, what do you have for yours? Uh, so number four for me is The Order 1886. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> so I actually purchased this game recently with the, uh, the points I got from PS Plus Stars. So I had enough saved up and was able to uh, pick up the Order 1886 on sale not too long ago. Nice. So this is a game that I'm really excited to get to. I remember watching the E3 trailer years ago when it was first um, released, and I was absolutely excited for the game. I don't know if I had a PlayStation at that time. I might have been on Xbox, but I remember seeing it and just being absolutely blown away by the trailer and, you know, seeing what I saw and just being excited for the game. And then that hype kind of died down when a lot of people were kind of bummed that the game was, you know, it wasn't really received all that well. But over time, a lot of people still say that the game's really great. It holds up to this day. So that's kind of a game that I've been looking to play you know in our in the previous episode we were talking about you know playstation they um you know the the things that playstation has come up with over the years that kind of like fell short and the order 1886 was something i was i was gonna talk about but i i passed it up on something else so thinking about it that day i was like you know what let me check this game out and see what what, what the whole talk is about this game. A lot of people say it's good. A lot of people say it sucks. But uh, let me check it out and see what, what's up. And, you know, I'm really excited to play this game. Maybe next month, you know, it's another October game. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That and Bloodborne are both really great choices for October. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Slugger, what do you got for your number four game? I got Alan Wake Remastered for the Ooh. PS5. And then I'm going to sneak in uh, American Nightmare there on the Xbox because I believe it's on Game Pass. Yes. Um, no, I mean, to me, this is a easy pick. We've talked the last couple of weeks about October, 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 all these games, so many games. And uh, Alan Wake 2 is in there. I played the first Alan Wake way back on the 360 when it first launched. I remember liking it. I remember getting all the achievements. I don't remember shit about the story. The story itself. I do remember the combat, though. I don't think the combat was that bad. I've heard some talk with this new one. People are 
like oh it was just nostalgia goggles the uh the combat's not as great as it was but i thought it was kind of cool where you use the like the flashlight to weaken the enemies first before you can shoot them and kill them mm-hmm. um but yeah i feel like before i want to be hyped for number two but for me to get in my my full thousand percent hype stage that highest level of hype i need to play the first <laughs> one again to remind me of the story i could just watch playthrough but i got it through playstation plus so i feel like i should dive into it man alan wake oh i never beat it i rented it back on the 360 i thought it was really good but never ended up completing it i really like control though and i know those are in the same universe so there's some cool shit there and alan wake 2 appears to be much more of a survival horror game inspired by something like resident evil i think they've even said as much so yeah that's really interesting to me i mean they're they're fucking speaking my language but i don't i again would feel kind of weird having not beaten the first game if i just like jump into the second one so that's a good one well thank you yeah well done sir well done all right <laughs> so my final game oh my gosh i wrote down two here this is gonna be <sighs> i'm gonna have to just make a fucking last minute decision here Okay, well, I think I'm going to go with Red Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> which is fucking what? crazy oh, if, you, if, you know, <laughs> if you know me. And here's the caveat, though. I didn't say I was going to platinum the game. And I yeah, don't, just don't worry about the platinum. I'm not going to worry about the platinum at all. I'm just going to try to beat the game, and I'll get whatever I get along the way. But I think I owe it to myself to give this game another chance and to try it again just because it is so widely regarded as one of the best games of the last decade i think the storytelling and the immersive sim like aspects of it might resonate with me a bit more now than when i originally tried to play it back in like 2019 i just think i've played a lot different style a lot of different style of games and much more varied genres of games in the last three years because of trophy hunting which is one of the things that i really love about trophy hunting i think i might be just more open to to giving this another shot and again not going to worry about the platinum it's insane it's very hard i know it's very grindy it's an ultra rare plat i'm just talking about trying to beat the main story and enjoy it for what it is so the choice was b- between that or Kingdom Hearts 3, and I ultimately went with Red Dead Redemption 2. So that is my final choice. Probably a bit surprising if you've heard me talk about Red Dead for a while. I still think it controls like shit from what I remember, and I don't think that that's going to change. I think it's just something that I'm going to have to overcome is that yeah. it is a design choice to make the game feel slow and deliberate in that way, and I might not like it, but it's it's on purpose and it's part of the package. So... That's okay. And uh, with that, I'll hand it over to you, Daryl, for your fifth and final choice. I'm surprised by your surprise answer. (laughs) I remember you shitting on that game, dude. And Mm, I was telling you, no, man, it's fun. (laughs) Comb your, to comb your horse. Yeah, dude. Have a little camp. Dude, I was so (laughs) bummed when my horse died in that game. I remember the moment, dude. I was like in chapter two. I'd probably played like seven or eight hours of the game, and I was like, okay, like I, all right, like whatever. Like it's it's okay. It's more it's speeding up, you know. So you don't even have fast travel at that point, by the way. You have nothing. And so I'm riding around on this horse, and I finished this mission. I'm like that was kind of a cool mission. All right, I think it was in this town called Strawberry, if I remember. And I'm coming back over the hill. There's these bandits, and they just fucking start shooting at me. I'm like, bro, I didn't pr- provoke you guys at all. Okay, like I'm just out here. I'm on the trail, and 
they fucking killed my horse, bro. And I remember at the time, I was like, all right, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just spawn back, whatever, at the stable or, you know, whatever. I'll have my horse. And my buddy was like, did you have a horse revive potion on you? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? No. What do you mean? He's like, well, then your horse is dead forever. And I was like, this is so fucking <laughs> lame. Why do people love? What do you mean, dude? This like, I couldn't understand why they chose GTA 6 to be so arcade-like and game. Like, it felt like a, GTA feels like a video game, you know? And I think I went into Red Dead Redemption being like, this should feel like a video game. And it doesn't. It doesn't play like a video game. It doesn't feel like a video game. It feels like a old school immersive sim in a Western movie or book, you know? And I think I just had the wrong expectation of it. So anyway, we'll try it out. You know, you gotta, you gotta revisit it. Nice. Don't worry about um, the platinum. No, I'm not. I'm not fucking worried about the platinum. Yeah. No. Yeah, don't worry about it. No. Uh, for me, number five is going to be Darksiders 3. Ooh, Ooh, no. I own this one. Me too, man. I think it was a PS Plus game as well. <clears throat> I think so, yeah. But yeah, I, I love the Darksiders uh, games. I played Darksiders 1 on 360. I played it again on PlayStation. Played that game twice. And then finally got the chance to play Darksiders 2. Really enjoy playing as War and Death. Great characters, you know. The stories are really fun. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. You know, just the 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 whole lore between the the fight between good and evil, and then just all sorts of stuff going down. But yeah, I've been wanting to play Dark Souls three forever because it's really cool that the four horsemen all have their own separate titles. So like, I kind of just stopped at dark Siders too. The sucky thing about these games is that they're very repetitive. You just yeah. find like an area to go through, find a you do a lot of puzzle solving, you do a lot of fighting and it's just rinse and repeat over and over again. So I kind of got burned out from dark Siders two and dark Siders two is absolutely such a, bigger game than the first one i just just like so much stuff to do the story's longer there's challenges and stuff you know you gotta beat the game on the hardest difficulty which just adds to the total time spent on this game so i can only imagine the same will probably be the same for darksiders 3 and genesis but i like the overall story i like the overall setting of the game you know just you know the four horsemen are generally looked down upon as like the the bringers of like you know the apocalypse so but they they definitely put them in a in a better lighting they definitely try to pre pre present them as like the saviors of mankind because basically as as far as i could tell from the first two they're, they're definitely like on the side of mankind for sure uh but i would love to continue the story with the other remaining uh horsemen fury and strife they both seem like cool characters, and yeah, this is one that's been sitting up on my backlog for so long. You know, I've just been kind of looking away from it just because I know the other two were such grindy games, but I know that once I pick them up, I'll have a really good time with it. So for me, Darksiders 3 is my last and final choice for my five games in my backlog. That's a great one, man. I always pause over that game when I'm looking through my library of like what to download or what what I want to get after next. And this one and Arkham Knight are two games I got through PS Plus that I was like, oof, I do really want to 
want to fucking play those at some point. I actually played the demo for Darksiders 3, weirdly enough, like back in the day. There was a demo for this game, and I thought it was really fun. So it seems cool. It's a good choice. And uh, Slugger, let's go to you for our final pick here. What's your fifth game from your backlog? My fifth and final pick is going to be Judgment. I'm going to end this on a Yakuza note. There you go. Um, that's why I told you guys at the start of the show it was going to be a Yakuza episode. Yeah. Um, lots of Resident Evil, lots of Yakuza, Bloodborne. We're all, yeah, we're covering all of it. The, what's leading me back to this game is similar to like Alan Wake. I know the Judgment series isn't directly tied to the main line, uh, like a Dragon series or Yakuza series. It's its own spinoff in the same city. But with uh, the man with no name, that's what it's called, right? The new one coming out? Yes. Or the man who yeah. erased his name. Sorry. Yeah. With that coming out, and I've been seeing all the like the previews and the trailers, I'm getting so hyped, and I want like a new... Even though I just finished Ishin, I'm like, man, I really want another uh, Yakuza experience before this new one comes out. And what do I have in my backlog? I have Judgment, and I have Lost Judgment. Ooh. Judgment, I I started a year or two ago. I think I got up to chapter six or seven. I was about halfway to three quarters of the way through the game. And then, um, like I have answered for most of these, I've dropped it for one reason or another. I don't quite remember. Um, it's been so long that I have no idea what was going on in the story. I'd be doing it a disservice if I went back to it without starting over. So where my head's kind of at is go back into it, start over and yeah, I guess start fresh. Here's where I'm stuck. I have the PS4 version. I have the PS4 trophy list. The PS5 version of the game is free or not free, but you can get it through PlayStation extra. And I'm like, do I just take the completion percentage hit and play the PS5 version when I restart this? Like it has the higher frame rates. It's going to look cleaner. It's going to look better. That's where I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, I, I feel like I maybe would. I maybe would. Because how, how badly is it going to affect your completion percentage, really? I mean, with almost fucking 900 games on my profile, not yeah, much. exactly. Like, so, so I would just do that. I would just yeah. do that. So I really want to dive into this. And then if I enjoy that, maybe roll right in Lost Judgment. And that's my five games. The problem I have here is I don't know how I'm gonna where I'm going to slot these in or when, when I'm going to play them. Yeah, I think Alan Wake is maybe next up with October around the corner, and I know that's a pretty fast platinum. So maybe expect to hear me talk about that on a upcoming episode. Yeah, I don't think on I don't think I'm going to get to any of these five games in the next few months. I would like to put one of them in the December time slot because I'm kind of looking at like basically Final Fantasy 16, which I'm playing now, is going to take me all the way through and even past when AC Mirage comes out, probably. And then I'll do AC Mirage, and then I'll do Spider-Man 2. And then I'll either do Like a Dragon, The Man Who Erased His Name, or I'll do Modern Warfare 3 in in November, one of those two games. And then December, I'll finally get a chance to play like a backlog game. And so that's where I'm either going to slot in Mass Effect 2 or Shadow of the Colossus. That's my current plan. We will see, boys. We will see. But thank you all for your time. Thank you, boys, for coming up with those lists. I think that was fun. Do you guys enjoy that? Digging through your backlog, finding some games to, to highlight? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun going through my library, checking stuff out. Yeah. And, Daryl, you might get to some of yours in October, too. 
Yeah, I might. I'm, I'm hoping I, I will. You know, now that I'm talking about them, you know, I definitely would love to play them for, uh, for October for sure. Hell yeah, man. Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, thank you, boys, for joining me this evening. That's going to do it for episode 93 of Trophy Talk Podcast. Thank you all for listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Before we go, I'll give the boys a chance to say where you can find them and where you should try to get in contact with them. So, Daryl, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, so you can hit me up on Discord, PSN Profiles, and on PlayStation at the Tulsa Moon Guy. Thank you, sir. And Slugger, where should people look for you? You can find me on the PlayStation Network and PSN Profiles and Discord, all at, at SluggerJD. And you can find me on the Xbox at SluggerJDD. Yeah, I saw, you, I saw so, you got rid of the numbers there. Very nice. I, clean, I cleaned it up. It used to be Slugger and a mess of numbers, and I never wanted to plug myself on the Xbox side. So SluggerJD on anything PlayStation. If you're looking for me on Xbox, SluggerJDD. Yes, sir. And you can find me on Xbox, PlayStation, Discord, everywhere at CK Present. Same thing across the board. Thank God. <laughs> that would bother me so much if I had numbers in my stuff. Oh, man. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I've been trying to get away from it. Yeah, it's nice. Now you got the clean names all around. It's good. Some good stuff. Again, thank you to all the Patreon supporters out there for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back next time in a few weeks' time with episode 94 and what we have been playing as we approach October. So thank you all again, and we'll catch you later. Happy gaming, and goodbye! Thank you.